interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 108 of Not a Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host here joining me today, Rob. What did Link say to Princess Zelda the first time he met her? Hiya! Ah, excellent, <laughs> excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, and Josh, I thought it was "Hey, diddly ho, neighbor." <laughs> Today on the show, we will be covering. Is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a very particular sense of humor, I guess. Um, Today on the show, we'll be covering the latest books from DC, and we. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles may just make the dump list. If you'd like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content available on the network. But with all that said, let's get into some news. There was quite a lot of stuff coming into comics uh, this week. Uh, I don't really know was going on in the entertainment side um so if there's anything there please fill me in but uh yeah let's let's get into the news because there's this quite a bit of it um so who who wants to start me one month free of cigarettes oh Ooh. congratulations do we have a, uh, an applause yes. button uh oh you know what i do uh, it's probably you. Thank yeah. you. very vain Thank you. to give yourself applause but it, I, I feel like it's warranted <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that, man. What a battle. Anyways, tell me, t- tell me what it is I'm gonna be spending that cigarette money on. What, what's oh, the good news coming this but, way from Comic Land? Oh yeah, Be- man. Before we get into that though, I might have something that'll pique Brandon's humor. Okay. Oh, all right. What? Oh. What did Princess Zelda say to Link when he was struggling to open a door? Oh, uh, try force. I don't know. Uh, that's just cheesy as hell, but I appreciate the effort. I I, I appreciate the effort very much. I I thought I honestly thought you were gonna make like some kind of joke about Navi or something. Um, oh, I was okay. I was expecting if we're gonna go for the Zelda humor, I I figured like let's 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 uh, let's go for the low hanging fruit. Um, oh, but, oh uh, I, I will have the lowest hanging fruit next week for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I and speaking awesome, of low hanging fruit, I heard fruit. an awesome pop culture dad joke just earlier today, and uh, that's uh, what would Luke Skywalker be if he wasn't a Jedi? Well, he'd be tattooing. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> just, uh, I told you it was around. a horrible dad joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is rough that is definitely i rough. know there's there's uh, there's something there about luke and vader building a shed and luke says dad give me a hand and they just don't know what to do but, <laughs> but like I, I can't i can't think of it wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a little more like like dad give me a hand and he just pulls off his robotic hand and tosses it over to him you said oh, give me a hand yeah. yeah yeah not the one with the lightsaber uh, not the one with the lightsaber exactly exactly uh <laughs> Oh, oh another Whoa. dad joke. It was on Harley Quinn where Joker is wearing the apron and it says, Hi, Hungry, I'm Dad. I oh, laugh man. my ass off and I laugh my ass off because I say that to my kids all the time. I'm hungry. <laughs> Hi, Hungry, I'm Dad. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, okay. 
All right, comic yeah, news. Enough cheesy humor, yeah. <laughs> there was, as Brandon mentioned, a lot. Today, the solicits came out, so in true fashion, over the past couple of days, DC's been dropping bombs about all the big things coming out in November, uh, which didn't really leave much else to the imagination for November solicits. Apart from, and I'll start with this, my favorite on the solicits that did not get a spoiler in advance, Nightwing number 98 looks oh. fun as hell and it introduces tom taylor teased on twitter yesterday apparently a new character to dc and nightwing in general uh that he's created uh night might night might oh night no might. nightwing's getting oh, his own night no. now this <laughs> issue not only is the first appearance of night might but it also uh ties into the story that night might um was reading the latest issue of seven secrets and loved it so much, he grabbed Daniel DeNicuolo and brought him into Nightwing. Which, oh, that's my very fun. God. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, <laughs> so Daniel DeNicuolo awesome. is going to be in Nightwing number 98, and it will be drawn by Daniel DeNicuolo. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, I, I'm glad that after their... Fun. I'm glad that after their pit stop in Metropolis, they decided to uh, make their way over to Nightwing, so that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun issue in November. <laughs> Um, okay, so other stuff that came out. Uh, Mark Silvestri is writing a new Batman Black Label book, because uh, we needed more of those. Uh, yes. Titled Batman, The Joker, The Deadly Duo. And this oh, is written and drawn by Mark Silvestri. And basically, oh. Harley Quinn is in a lot of danger. Uh, and Joker's kind of worried, so he calls on the one person he knows that can help, and that's the Batman, to team up with him and help save Harley Quinn. Hmm. interesting premise but <laughs> i feel like we like i don't know it's, interesting it premise off. hasn't been done before but i feel like it's stretching it a little thin there yeah how many different types of batman joker relationships do we need you know that's a good um, question yeah batman's codependent and joker is in love yeah that's the only one i see Anyway, that could go on forever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we'll move on to something a little more fun. DC's holiday special, the title, is announced, and it is, as Brandon says he loves it, DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer, which is a (laughs) fantastic title. (laughs) The cover... I I don't know. This is... For for anyone who ever... And and I'm sure this is like a very small crowd of people... But to anyone who is watching, like, Cartoon Network in the 2010s, every Christmas they used to run the Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer animated special. And I would always uh-huh. watch that with my brother, and it was absolutely hilarious because they have Santa on trial. It's a whole thing. It funny as hell. They're, they're trying to <laughs> sue Santa to, like, get the rights to Christmas or something like that. And it's just, it, it is utterly ridiculous, but it... I, I can't hear the title, you know, Blank Got Run Over by a Reindeer without thinking about that. So I saw that, and it, it absolutely made my day. And it's Grifter, so that makes it even better. Exactly. Yeah. And the, and the, the cover the definitely makes it better, too, because he is, in yeah. fact, like, getting run over by Santa. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> um, so look for that in November, end of November, actually, not even December, which I feel... Like earlier than they usually release it, but whatever. Holiday season. Yeah. Um, they also but speaking released... of Grifter. 
Oh yeah. I, I, uh, oh, yeah. I should I should I tag this one? Go ahead. I feel like let, let, let's I, save I that one for the news. last. I wasn't able to get it. Because yeah. I feel like that might be well, the biggest. All right, all right. I, I'll let you, uh, if, let you, if I'll I'm let you get this last one. Out. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, there's there's a few more. Uh, Quick Entertainment Young Justice Season 5 is not coming. They've officially uh, not renewed it. They, they've said apparently for a while that the season, the latest season was going to be all that's planned and Season 5 is officially not happening. Um, yeah, I think we all kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, last Friday, uh, just after we recorded, uh, the day after we recorded, it was announced John Stewart the Emerald Knight one-shot is coming in November, uh, to which I had just asked the question, why? Why? It's why? Jeffrey Thorne and Marco Santucci coming back. Uh, it will bridge a gap between the end of Green Lantern, I think it was number 12, and in Dark Crisis. As well as where he was when he got blipped away, among other stories. Uh, hopefully, they will continue their story in the dark sector. I just hope it makes sense. Um, Good luck. Preview pages for Batman versus Robin were released, which comes out next month. So I'm really surprised there's preview pages already. But we got the first four pages with a serious spoiler that uh, hopefully most news sites uh, stay away from posting in their headline. But uh, at least I know Brandon and I are not particularly fond of it. Josh, I don't know if you've seen it or if you want to see it. I have a feeling you will not be either. <laughs> I will not spoil it uh, unless you want to go check out the preview pages. But it is something that is interesting, but I really hope it's temporary. Yeah, it's oh, it's one of those yeah. things that I'm, I'm hoping is just kind of like a, a tease, but it's not really what people think it is. Um, yeah. But I guess you don't we'll want to say it right now. No, yeah, we don't want to give it away. Yeah, it's it is really something that, like, to be fair, DC didn't even put it in the solicitation like they mostly do, which makes me feel like it's, it's very much for Stupida, uh, that it's really just in the story or in that issue, and it's not going to be permanent, which is fine by me. But we'll see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, rumor that Wallace's suit's gonna stick around though. But anyway, what the silver one? Yeah, we'll I was just saying that. that to Ryle Brandon. Oh, oh. That would be very <laughs> unfortunate. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk uh, about that suit later. Uh, when we get into Flash. Two, two more points before we get to the what what I consider the big news. Uh, Blue Beetle graduation day has a first look. Uh, it's officially coming in November finally got a release date and it looks awesome sweet hopefully it's better than robin's which Good i was thinking at when here. i was looking at the preview pages did robin's even finish i don't remember like an end yeah it finished i think it, it did oh, it was, i just yeah it, it was I just think. that unmemorable yeah i yeah. completely forgot it existed for a while uh and finally as um what's that it was this comicsbeat.com dubs november jeff vember uh, due to the fact that Jeff Johns has three big titles coming out, uh, which is, if I just open this link very quickly, there is Justice Society number of America number one. Uh, he's finally bringing that in, uh, which is, I think, spinning, what, two years Spinning late? out of Flashpoint. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. spinning out of Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, there's also the new Golden Age, which is a one-shot that is going to set up uh, things going forward, also spinning out of Flashpoint Beyond. And... Was, I was going to say Wonder Girl, not Wonder Girl. Stargirl, 
I believe is just called Stargirl. I don't think I actually... Uh, Stargirl, the, oh, Lost Stargirl the Lost Children. That's it. Yes. Uh, spinning out of the Stargirl Spring Break special that if you forgot about, it was last year during the summer. Over a year ago. I don't blame you. So, look forward to that and this November. Is that gonna be, that's going to be a one-shot too, not a series, right? Uh, That'll be a six-issue series. Six-issue. The Stargirl one, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. So, Stargirl, The Lost Children... We have a six-issue series. That's Jeff Johns and Todd Nock, who did the uh, Stargirl Summer Vacation special. And then Justice Society of America, number one, will be Jeff uh, with art from Mikhail Hanin. Um, and then some, you know, variant cover stuff that's uh, tying into the, well, I guess I'll save that for the next announcement that we do. But, um, there we go. All some, right. Some stuff that we'll get into there. But And then the new right. Golden Age, that'll that's, be Jeff Johns with art from Steve Lieber. Jerry Ordway nice. and Diego Orlertegui. Um oh. and uh, I, I assume that's paying homage to um, James Robinson and Paul Smith's The Golden Age, which was a. I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily canon. I think it was officially an Elseworlds title, but it was sort of a take on the history of DC's Golden Age, um, and this is sort of. I, I think Jeff is aiming to do an updated version of that because they talked about. Uh, introducing a whole new generation of sidekicks from the generation of the Golden Age. So ones that didn't exist previously but are now being introduced as a part of the Golden Age. Um, and then that'll continue on into the future. Uh, they mentioned the, the Legion, so I assume there will be some kind of references to uh, the Legion of Superheroes as well, which I think that'll definitely be exciting to see Jeff handle the, uh, the Legion again. Definitely. About damn time. All right, I think that is all the big news I have. Uh, Brandon, do you want to take news? take the biggest news? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the Golden Age stuff was probably the biggest news. Uh, people have been oh, waiting for yeah. a JSA title for, you know, years, probably since Rebirth now. Um, yeah. But well, I, 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 mean, I, I, I flipped it because... It's supposed to be a big book by Jeff Johns spinning yeah. out of Flashpoint Beyond, so... I, I I want it really bad, but I'm also hesitant. So yeah, I mean, I guess we'll I see everybody... whether or not the book is quality. I think people are just hungry for any Justice Society content that you know they'll be happy that at least they have a book out now. Um, so pretty 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 much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no I, I know I'm definitely sucks. excited for that. Um, yeah, yeah. No more guest appearances. They have a, a dedicated book that you can read, which I'm hoping will be good. Um, Finally. Yeah, but now, uh, I, no, I, I kind I, of flipped the script. Okay. I, I figured that was a little the more roster has me expended or expected, not expended, expected compared to the what I what I consider the big news. Which yeah, um, well, like we kind I don't of know. I mean, it, but there's a lot more to it. I I would definitely say there's some of this stuff that I expected. Um, number one, because the timing is perfect, and number two, because of a comment that Josh made that haunts me even now, months months later. <laughs> Um, which oh, was no. that the 90s never truly left us because this November, DC Comics is rewinding itself back to the 90s. But yeah. again, it begs the question, did we ever really leave? Who knows? Um, nope. The <clears> only <throat> thing, we, we downsized the number of pouches yeah. and stopped, um, and stopped yeah. doing swimsuit issues. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, like, uh, it's like every modern historian's favorite joke. Did World War II ever end? But uh, no, this November, DC will rewind itself back to the 1990s 
which is also convenient timing because Marvel is doing the same thing um, with oh. their Extreme X-Men line um, or their Extreme Covers line or that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I guess DC's really going all out with it because they have the one thing that Marvel doesn't have, Mr. Jim Lee and all his properties, specifically the Wildstorm properties, which include mm-hmm. um, titles that you may have heard of, like Wildcats, which will be getting its first ongoing in probably like 15 years um, this November, which it will be written by, as I'm sure is no surprise to anyone, Matthew Rosenberg, with art from Steven Segovia. <clears throat> I'm hoping they get so uh, Ulysses Ariola to do the colors, because I think that'll just that'll bring out Steven Segovia. I, I checked out this book... Um, what is it called? It's not King Spawn. He's doing one of the McFarlane Spawn books right now. Um, and it's, I mean, the story is total crap, but the art is is much better than <laughs> I expected a Spawn book to be. So I'm hoping that they have the same art team there, seeing Steven Segovia's name. Um, but that's very exciting. Uh, it has the lineup that you, uh, you would absolutely expect the Wildcats to have, which is, of course, Grifter, Spartan... <clears throat> Zealot, um, Voodoo, with a couple of new faces like Deathblow, um, and I believe that is Caitlin Fairchild, um, Lady Tron, of course, making a return, and oh, yeah. a character that I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not really sure. It's sort of a an astronaut with a skull face that may or may not be Void, but if it is Void, it's no design I've ever seen. Um, so I guess. We'll have to wait and see who that character ultimately is. But uh, the premise for the book... Yeah, very well could be. Um, But the premise for the book could not be more perfect. Um, It is is Wildcats versus the Court of Owls. Like, even if this book is, is a total wash... That premise enough is 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 you know worth it to bring people in. Like I think that's just such a, I, I it sounds like totally corny, like the exact kind of thing that you would get out of like a fan servicey DC book. But I don't know. I'm I, I'm kind of just like yeah, I'll, I'll take a Wildcats versus the Court of Owls. Why not? Um, oh yeah, yeah, that I'll will be coming out. with Wildcats. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm hoping they uh, <laughs> they have a lot of fun with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that will be coming out in November, as I said, from Matthew Rosenberg and Steven Segovia. But we're not done with our celebration yet. We have a couple of other titles to get to. A four-issue series called Waller vs. Wildstorm, which is exactly as it sounds. Uh, Amanda Waller will be taking on elements of the Wildstorm universe. Uh, so we'll see how that goes um, as it uh, really involves the... Stormwatch, the UN-backed Stormwatch team, or I, I think they're still the UN-backed Stormwatch team, um, going up against uh, Waller as well as other characters in the DC Universe. So that should be interesting. That's written by Spencer Ackerman and Evan Narciss, who, man, I've been reading that guy's like reviews over on... Um, it's not it's not Root. It's, it's another one of those pop culture websites. But he always has really good articles. Um, so I'm glad he's doing more comic stuff. Uh, with art from Eric Battle, who I'm less excited about, but uh, hopefully he'll be able to deliver. But I think that should be fun. It, it seems like it's a, a very um, action-centric and, and also uh, politically inspired title. Um, so hopefully they, uh, they get something good out of that. Um, and then the final part of this announcement, one that I'm kind of holding my breath for. Actually, I guess there's two more parts. Um, but uh, the, holding the, your the breath second for to last one. 
Yeah, this is the Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special, um, which is going to be honoring all of the parts of Wildstorm's history. And the reason I'm holding my breath for this is because I looked at the creative team, I saw Brian Hitch's name listed among one of the art teams, and the first thing my mind went to was the authority, which means you can't do the authority with Brian Hitch without doing Warren Ellis. And I know people are going to be clutching their pearls and saying this or that, and for as much as I would not like to see his name here, I do feel like just based on how impactful and important the authority was to this book, I don't know, it would, it would just be kind of weird not to have everyone who had, had pitched in and, and made Wildstorm what it was over the years be a part of this. Um, but that's, that's a whole other topic of discussion that I'm sure we can get into another time. But um, I, I'm hoping that maybe they can find a way to honor that uh, team without getting too much into the, uh, into the controversy. Um, but some of the names that will be a part of the special are Matthew Rosenberg, no surprise there, Joshua Williamson, Brandon Choi, who I assume quit his job at the grocery store to write comics again, uh, J. Scott Campbell, Brett Booth, Ed Brisson, and others uh, who are yet to be mentioned, with art from Jim Lee, again, no surprise there, J. Scott Campbell, Brian Hitch, Brett Booth, and more. Um, if there's one more that I really hope they can get, and I know this is a long shot, but I'm, I'm hoping for it, if they could get Garth Ennis and Glenn Fabry to do another Kev story, I would lose my mind. That would be, that would be, that would be the greatest gift I could get, uh, just, just before Christmas, because Kev is one of, if not the funniest books that second. Wildstorm ever put out. Um, hey, hey, wait a second. Was it Grant mm-hmm. Morrison? Who just, who just did Superman and the Authority? Was it Grant Morrison? It was Morrison. Yes. Yeah. That's who they could have do the authority. I think he Yeah. Did. I think he did that pretty I think he did that pretty well, man. I think he did that really well. Yeah, well, I, I have seen Grant do the authority in another context and it was not good. In fact it was so not oh. good he quit the book after two issues. But again, that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um oh, wow, what the hell? Okay. Yeah, he wrote The Authority in 2006 for two issues with Gene Ha. Everyone said this sucks, and for as much as I love Grant, it kind of did. Um, and then he left, handed the reins over to Keith Giffen, and Keith did the best he could to try and wrap it up, and that had mixed results. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I guess we'll ultimately see who is uh, is all added here, but uh, my, my hope is that they honor... Everyone who is a part of the Wildstorm legacy, uh, sans Ed Brubaker, because I know he's never going to work there ever again. Um, if you're thinking you're going to get a sleeper story in this Wildstorm special, dream on, because I, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, you will never write sleeper ever again, um, just based on everything that went down with that series. Um, and in also pretty exciting news, but, uh, but still very brief, because it is the 90s and it's a throwback, DC is doing a series of covers that are all related to the 90s, all very 90s inspired, each one with pouches and pads and uh, horribly designed Liefeldian suits uh, galore. Uh, and you can check all those out on DC Comics website. I think my favorite is the one from um, Mario Facillo, who did the Batman Superman World's Finest one. Um, oh, yes. And it's just their capes blowing in their faces because they're so goddamn long. Which is glorious, yeah. um, and I, I think uh, Chris Burnham did a nice Young Blood tribute. That was cool too. Um, but yeah, check those out. Yeah, that be one's cool. really cool. Yeah, uh, um, they didn't list it on the site that I was reading it on, but the Justice Society of America also has a '90s 
uh, variant cover, and it oh. is rooted in Amalgam Comics, which I thought was really oh, wow. cool. Yeah. Oh, dude, sick. That's awesome. So I'll, uh, I'll send a link to that later on. Don't don't tease a... me. Don't tease me about the about the possibility of of an amalgam uh, yeah. comic. Like it's very much just the society characters, but you can picture like Hawk Girl's got Archangel wings, and uh, Alan Scott's wearing Gambit's coat. Uh, then uh, Jake Eric has a lot like huge a shoulder Wolverine. pads and pouches. There you go. Yeah. That sounds about right. There was a character, though, and I, I couldn't find it when I was looking at the character list yesterday, from Amalgam, that had an ink on his eye, wasn't it? Yes, and, uh, oh, shit, what was his name? No, wait, hold on, that wasn't from, uh, from, from Amalgam, I don't think. Wasn't it? No. No, there well, was there's a, a character there was called a... Fate, right? Is Fate. that his name? That's yep. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's not from Amalgam. That's that's Oh, okay. Doctor Strange Fate is from the Amalgam. Yeah. Imprint. Well, I guess it's just Fate is on the cover, which is not Amalgam, which I don't know. There's there's some interesting choices on that cover, but <laughs> it looks really good. Yeah. Well, it is very funny because I mean, all of them look very 90s very extreme and then there's then there's david knight who literally just looks like he walked out of an issue of starman unchanged yeah he just he, yeah. his costume we, is exactly the same we did just see fate in infinite frontier almost oh, yeah. oh, i'm almost positive mm-hmm. of it he like showed up so, in one of those big so group ads. anyway um anyway I'm I'm probably wrong. I don't think you might be right. That sounds familiar, but I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Mm. <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Uh, yeah. Well, I I have a couple of other smaller uh comics announcements. Um, just some personal stuff. Um. Uh, for anyone who is a fan of uh, the very brief, but I, I think um, really underrated and, and quite stellar Underboss uh, arc of Catwoman a little while ago from Genevieve Valentine and Gary Brown. Um, yeah. Genevieve Valentine did not quit comics. I, I thought she had. I thought she went back to, to writing novels and, uh, and short uh, short stories and everything. Um, and I always I, I read Underboss and you know during the pandemic, I was like, God, I wish... I, I, I wish he would do more. Like he just had such a great voice for for stories and comics. Um, but uh, but for anyone who's a fan of that and and uh, liked Genevieve Valentine's style, she's uh, teaming up with Annie Wu and Ming Doyle, who's actually an alumni from my old high school, um, to kick off a new book called Two Graves over at Image Comics. Um, that'll be coming out in November. Um, not a lot given about the plot right now, but uh, from the preview that we have, it definitely has. Um, uh, or at least it looks like it has a, a really interesting uh, setting to it, um, even if we're not given a lot of information on the story. Um, and then this one, I think, had been announced a little while ago. Uh, Charles Soule and Will Sliney had done like a like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe or something like that, um, or, or one of those uh, crowdfunding websites for a book called Hell to Pay. 
um, that they had said was going to be coming later, and then a year came out, and I think everyone was just like, uh, you were lying. Um, but that's officially coming out uh, in November, and that is described as Hellboy meets Indiana Jones, which is probably one of the best damn pitches you could ever have. So uh, check that out. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely makes it that's interesting. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, oh, I, I guess one more thing, uh, just for anyone listening who might be in New York. Um, there is a, a signing of uh, Grant Morrison is putting out a new novel called Luda on the 6th of September. Luda. For anyone who's in New York listening to the show, uh, it's going to be in Union Square um, over in NYC. Uh, and I will be making the incredibly long trek down from upstate New York into the city to get my book signed, take a 30-second photo with Grant, and then never see him again. But it's worth it, just so I can bask in their presence uh, for a little bit. Um, but uh, if you're in the city and you're, you're looking for a cool thing to do around 7 o'clock and want to read a story about magic uh, drag performers, then uh, it should be a hell of a time. And that's all I got. Right on. Right on. Let, me know, let me know how good his accent is. I, I will definitely do that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably right. have, as I said, no more than a thirty-second interaction, and then I'll, you know, lose my mind for a little bit, and then I'll uh, go back to my regularly scheduled life. All right, <laughs> walk up. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, picture, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and somehow he would understand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not, he, not he'll have he'll have the uh, he'll have the Scottish accent, but I'll be the one that's actually unintelligible. It'll just be babbling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know like, what to say. I'm used to it. Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you get away? Uh, before we get into honorable mentions and moving on with the rest of the show, um, John Ridley, our homeboy here, that writes uh, one of my favorite books at DC, the next Batman. Um. And uh, also did uh, 12 Years a Slave. He has just released a show called Five Days at Memorial about uh, some events that happened at, a, at uh, some, some really fucked up events that happened at a hospital during Katrina. And I've been watching it and I wanted to, it, dude, I mean, it's 10 out of 10. John Ridley is a hell of a storyteller and... If that sounds anything like what's up your alley, then 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 you need to check it out. It's 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 just it's really good. It's on Apple well, TV spirit, Plus, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, in the spirit of John Ridley and the '90s and Wildstorm, I'll throw in another recommendation called The Razor's Edge. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is a total joke. Um, the Razor's <laughs> Edge was a an attempt to focus on the minor characters of the Wildstorm universe in, I think, like the early 2000s, and he teamed up to tell a Ripclaw story with Simon Bisley. It's five issues, it's all told through secondhand narration, and I read it, and it is one of the goofiest things I've read in a long time, <laughs> but it is very fun, so if you can track that down and read it in the spirit of Ridley and Wildstorm in the 90s, I think you'll have a good time. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, the Razor's Edge Ripclaw. Oh, well, no, sorry. It's the Razor's Edge Warblade. Because Ripclaw is a character from Cyberforce who is definitely not the same thing. 
Right. Yeah. All these no, image characters really. are yeah. the same. <laughs> All these image characters are so interchangeable. Ripclaw, Warblade, Deathblow. My God. All of their hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's the nineties. Everybody was the same thing. Yeah, so so again, let me correct myself. That is the Razor's Edge Warblade, not Ripclaw. But if you want to read a Ripclaw series, check out Cyberforce, which is from Mark Silvestri, weirdly enough. We were just talking about him. It's not very good, but it's somewhat entertaining if you're looking for trash. Yeah. If you're looking for trash. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if if you want to create a nineties character, you take a sharp object. And a synonym for fight, and put it together. That's it. They they had one of those. They had like, have you ever seen like those, um, those like name uh, charts where it's like, what's your, yeah, it's like, what's your birthday? What's like your favorite color or something like that? And it is associated with a word. And someone did that for like '90s characters, and you would have like like backslasher or you know overmite or some some other nonsensical name um but I, I there's one of those i'm sure you can track it down but uh you can do that for a laugh and create your very own 90s character oh, oh i am so doing that after we get off this podcast oh man i gotta find as soon as we get now. done recording <laughs> all right um and also in the spirit of recommendations it's not john ridley but i think we've mentioned it before but issue three came out this week Friends, if you like wrestling and you're not reading this, this is an injustice. Go check out Do a Powerbomb. It is fantastic. Dude, I Indeed. keep forgetting to read it. You really need to. Yeah. You're, you're going to read Do a Powerbomb. You're going to be like, where has Daniel Warren Johnson been all my life? I love this man. And then I'm going to tell you. I mean, you don't, oh, I love Daniel yeah. Warren Johnson. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to put it in a whole new light, and then I'm going to tell you to read Murder Falcon, and you're going to read that, and you're going to send me, like, a million dollars in love and appreciation, because Murder Falcon Brandon? is Brandon. amazing. Brandon. Yeah. The title, the title, Murder Falcon, is amazing. You would have just it said is. to tell me that. You, <laughs> if you, okay, that's the, that's the thing, like, do a powerbomb is, like, a love letter to wrestling, and I don't like know a ton about wrestling, but you can just feel the appreciation for it. But Murder Falcon is just a love letter to to heavy metal and and really just rock and roll in general. And it is it is so it's so amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> right on. Which again, take a synonym for a fight and a sharp object. Put it together. <laughs> yeah. Knife fight. Yeah. There you go. You just created a nineties character. Diamond scrimmage. <laughs> Excellent. I I I I wanted to wait until after I got done here with this, but uh, of course I I had to I had to try try to pull it up on on Google here, but I'm not having any luck. I was trying to find yeah. that '90s name generator. Yeah, no, it's it's well, somewhere there. Um, it's out there somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm like sure you can find. I probably saw it on like r slash comic books or something. Uh, but I just I don't I don't have it saved. But yeah, no, it's uh it's out there. And and uh, like I said, if you want to make yourself a terrible name, you can do that. 
Um, I'm trying to think of the what's the worst one? Like the worst one I've ever heard. That's that's just like utterly moronic. Like Blood Wolf is low hanging fruit. Everyone makes fun of Blood Wolf because it's it's dumb and it's spelled W U L F. But there's there's one yeah. that's worse than that. I think I. I don't know, dude. You could go to you. Yeah, I mean, not even picking on the small fries, but I mean, you could go to any place in image or Zendoscope and find some of the dumbest shit there's that that's ever been put on a page. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. I or mean, I, I want to say Rip Claw, but there's there's head. dumber than that. But yeah, it's, I feel like I, there's so many yeah. that I I can't think of right now. I, I can think of ones it's just they don't feel like the dumbest I'm trying to think of like, yeah. what's the what's the worst possible one but it'll come to me later do either of you have a 10-sided die handy I do not 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 handy no, no I left it not. with the rest of my D&D stuff back home no I'm kidding okay pick pick um, a, pick a number between one and ten uh let's say six six okay then pick it pick a second number between one and ten seven Steel Tiger. Perfect. That's not that bad, actually. <laughs> yeah. That, that could be a modern-day name, even. That's that's, that's kind of tame. Yeah, it sort of sounds like a 70s character. Yeah. You got a blood flame. Me... <laughs> you know how they say that you... you... That's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Um, So... That's how you get your crazy '90s name. Have Have you ever heard that that calculator for generating your porn star name? <laughs> I think I've seen them before. I never remember you what take mine is. The, <laughs> you take the name of your very first pet and the name of the street you grew up on as a child. And that's the name. So like, oh, mine's fantastic. Mine is <laughs> my, mine is old. Mine is old red Kenefic. <laughs> that does not sound like a very actively employed porn star. <laughs> oh, mine, yeah. mine would be Josie Kensington. Josie Kensington. <laughs> if that's not like top tier porn, I don't know what is. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? What were the uh, what were the rules again? Sorry, I had to I had to kill a wasp that came into my room. Oof. Oh no the 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 very first pet you ever had and the and the uh, the childhood street you grew up on. Oh, Stanley Barner. That does sound very Stan. dirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Fun. I, I found a Rob Liefeld name generator. Oh no. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, with, with the first Excellent. letter of your first name or first letter of your last name. So I, I would be Blast Shade. Okay. Oh yeah, it was something like that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do mine. Do uh, mine. Pro Run. That's yeah. Pro Run. Pro Run. Yeah. Oh, no. Brandon. Blood Razor. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. I'm uh, I'm writing the pitch for that. That is an as image soon, name. That's as soon as we're out of here, I'm writing the pitch for that. Blood Razor. Blood Razor. I can Blood I can razor. literally see the Pro design for that in my mind. Shade. 
Yeah. Blood Razor and Demon Hawk. Have you have you ever actually wait? No, I know Josh has, but Rob, have you ever seen the cover of the Pit? Yes. Oh God. I'm I'm imagining like the type that they use for the title of the Pit, and I would just use that as Blood Razor. That's a nineties <laughs> book. That. Oh yeah, it is. yeah. It's like all in blood, very sketchy. It says extreme. Yeah. Three different parts on on, on uh, the cover. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Are we all done being dumbasses now? Yes. I feel yeah. like oh, I've well, been a dumbass for a while. For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In that case, I'm going to mention the four honorable mentions that I've got. Uh, this week, they were all super good. Uh, DC Vamp. DC versus Vamp Vamp. Wicked Wicked. DC versus <laughs> Vampires All Out War number two. Duo number four, Black Adam number three, and Batman the Night number eight. All of them kicked ass. Spend your money on them. These ones need support. And that's all I've got on the honorable mentions. All four of those are really good books this week. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. Indeed. And we will turn on our spotlight and uh, spin that over to our first book for this week Aquaman the Flash Void Song number 3 which I'm going to hand over to Rob gladly and this is the last part in this Black Label this was Black Label right yeah Black Label series Uh, so this is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art from Vasco Georgiev with colors from Rain Burrito letters from Troy Pateri and a wonderful cover from Mike Perkins and Rain Burrito so Arthur and Barry are working together to take on the Void Song in space following the events of last issue where they blasted off in an Atlantean spaceship powered by the Speed Force. Uh, with that, Barry is using what Speed Force energy he has left to power the Atlantean ship, but he is quickly running dry, and the ship then gets blown up by the aliens. Barry gets caught by the Void Song, and Arthur kind of escapes but feels like they kind of let him out into the middle of a ship where he runs into what may or may not be a lead void song uh and kind of overpowers it using salt water in its uh body i don't know do do, do you call it tentacles that's something it's being itself they're they're an aquatic they're an aquatic species that has salt water in their body which yeah. means that they're they're a part of the sea. They're sea based, which means that I, he has control over their bodies. I just don't know if we've actually seen like their physical form fully. I just I remember seeing a giant eyeball and tentacles, and that's it. So I don't even know if they are. I don't know. I thought they were like machines of some kind. Anyway, uh, he frees Barry, where the two of them then combine Arthur's strength and Barry's speed force to then free everyone on Earth. Uh, therefore, they're thereby destroying the Void Song very much like that. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're now left floating in space, but are rescued by Superman as their oxygen depletes, and he returns them to the Justice League headquarters on Earth, not on the moon, where they rest and return to a family-filled life with a renewed friendship between them. Uh, I thought it was a very feel-good ending. I would love to see more of this pairing. Uh, and I say that in more ways than one. Aquaman and the Flash, with this creative team, I'm all for it. This was actually a kind of fun story. Um, the one 
thing I can kind of speak against it is really just a nitpick on my part. There was yeah. one beautiful splash page after they freed uh, everyone on Earth, and it showed some splash pages of uh, various heroes taking on the Void Song and destroying the ships. And there was one that was a clear advertisement for upcoming movies, and it felt very cheap because years down the road, if somebody reads this, gonna what? Why the hell are these people in the desert fighting why together? Is, That's yeah, really just weird. Black Adam, Adam Smasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, Cyclone and Hawkman. Fate. Conveniently, Hawkman. the only ones there. Yeah. And Shazam. <laughs> and Shazam was there as well. Yeah. But yeah, just... yeah, because you know it's that other guy. It's kind of well, well, the, well, Rob. The rest of the JSA were busy, and these were the ones that they just happened to have on reserve. Yeah, yeah. they they just <laughs> they just happened to be near Condock that day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so <Man. laughs> part. Apart from that, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun ride. Uh, very feel-good, as I mentioned at the end. Um, nice to see actual camaraderie and friendship between Arthur and Barry, because it's not something you see very often. You know, Lightning and no, water do not, not mix very well. But when they do, something powerful can happen. So, uh, 8.75 yeah. out of 10. <laughs> I was going to make I... a joke about like getting electrocuted, but I couldn't find it. Well, it's out there somewhere. We'll find it again. Uh, this book made as 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 weird as it sounds. Well, at least to me, uh, Barry and Arthur singing the song of the universe, so to speak. Uh, it kind of makes sense to me. The king of the ocean and the king of the speed force coming together. I mean, I feel like that's two major. Uh, scientific laws that are that are working together smashing into each other and um when they when they do come together it 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 is just the tiniest bit of cheesy but i enjoyed it immensely uh it was a it was a fantastic fun read it it wasn't perfect but it was a really good read both the book and the run as a whole uh the art is just great and the colors are right up there with it uh i love the way that they did the suits especially um this was this was just great for a three issue arc and it was really cool to see these characters done this way man i gave i gave this a nine out of ten yeah this was a a a very nice episode of brave and the bold um and uh (laughs) I, I definitely feel like some of the more um I don't know if melodramatic is the right word, but like kinda of, kinda of like the drama they had in the last issue where Arthur and Barry are, are coming into conflict. It, it kinda of felt like something they had to do, but it was just done in a very kind of lazy way. So seeing them actually patch it up here was expected, but I was I was kind of like that just felt unnecessary, like we we all knew it was going to happen. It was it's part of basic story structure, but uh, yeah, it, it still kind of was like whatever. Um, but other than that, like I said, a very very fun episode of Brave and the Bold that you would probably watch on Cartoon Network and have a good time. Um, it sounds like I'm being facetious. I'm actually not. Um, it, it's, no, it's it sounds like we're trying to get spot money from Cartoon Network. That's I'm very much trying to drop y'all guys. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, well, everyone's mad at Cartoon Network because they dropped Infinity Train, but uh, so so maybe now's not the time. But um, that's a whole other topic. 
Um, but yeah, other than that, pretty uh, pretty fun deal. Um, so this one got an 8 out of 10 for me. Right on. Now I'm going to continue shining our spotlight, but I'm going to put a bat symbol over it because our next book is Batman One More Day. Um, I didn't have a more clever transition than that, so you're just going to have to roll with it. This is Batman One More Day, written by Tom one. King, with art it's, it's, it's for worse One Bad one Day. Point. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> One More Day. Although, I don't know. I, I Well, I, I guess I'll get into that later. But um, One More Bad Day. Yeah, One More <laughs> Bad Day. Um, this is Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler, um, number one, written by Tom King, with art and colors for Mitch Gerrids and letters from Clayton Cowles. Now, stop me if you've heard this one before. There was this guy in the 1980s. He wrote comic books, did a lot of superhero stuff that people liked. Some corporate stuff got in the way, and eventually he exited the larger superhero scene. But the stuff that people liked, that stuff could never die. It could never go away, and ever since the 80s, there's been a slew of imitators, cheap homages, and references to books that were well, well, well past their heyday. What does that have to do with any of this? Nothing. I just wanted to tell a funny anecdote. But I did want to ask the following question. Have you ever read The Killing Joke? Yeah. Then you've read this book. The story is one part an origin of the Riddler, formerly Edward Tierney, who grew up in an abusive household. We see his burgeoning interest in riddles thanks to the help of a kindly teacher, uh, Professor uh, Yellen, I think his name is, who he later kills. This is intercut with the present-day story of Riddler having killed a man named John Oates, and Batman is on the case investigating the why of it all. After a bloody escape from Arkham, Batman and the Riddler have their final showdown at a basketball court in an embarrassing attempt to recreate the final confrontation between Joker and Batman in The Killing Joke. While this might read like a compelling story, and I guess in a way it is in all respects, it's very well-constructed and certainly is a, a pretty easy read uh, for as much as a bloody read can be easy is such an obvious attempt to further mine the work of Alan Moore rather than devise something original and move on for more. The nine panel layouts, the Riddler backstory, the final speech at the end which attempts to make some grand thesis about Batman and Riddler's relationship come across as incredibly pathetic and cheap. Some might call it an homage. I prefer a lazy recreation with subtle changes in story and theme, but on a bad day, you might just call it trash. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10, and that was a very, very generous score, uh, considering how badly I just berated it. My final thoughts, if you want to read a really good Riddler story, hell, I would say the best Riddler story, check out Batman Dark Knight Dark City. Probably one of the best Riddler stories ever done. Pete Milligan and Kieran Dwyer did it better than anyone else ever could. And that's all I got to say. Well, then. well, okay then. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> um, I am kind of right there with you on most of that. It doesn't just feel like it's uh, mining Alan Moore. It, it literally references the 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 Joker uh, knowing when when Barbara was going to be home alone that night. Yeah. This is the Killing Joke sequel that nobody asked for. Um, yeah. It's just it's just the didn't we already get that story. last year? Right, it's exactly. called Three Jokers. Yeah. But that's that's <laughs> yeah that's that's Killing Joke Part Two Electric Boogaloo. Emphasis yeah. on Boogaloo. Yeah. 
it's emphasis on the boogaloo indeed um this it was pretty ridiculous like brandon said it's easy to read but that's just because it's kind of it almost feels like a paint by numbers deal here uh riddler not quite acting like riddler and then at the end the plot twist where they're like did batman just kill him <gasps> what do you think um again, it's left exactly open like him. the killing joke yeah literally again and it's just like while I love the art, like I always do from from Mitch, there uh, the story it felt dry, uninspired, and as close to a Xerox of a fax machine copy that you could get of the Killing Joke. I gave this a five point seven five out of ten, and I'm really sorry I graded the art that low. Well then, yeah. Uh, I, I, so I have read the killing joke, but it was like 15 years ago. So I don't remember enough about it to make comparisons, but I completely get it because yeah, they did have, uh, some very clear, uh, shots that, that are, re- and the, obviously the references in it, the way the really referenced it, you can tell right away where this is going. I didn't hate it, but uh, it's very long, but you expect that from a Black Label book, especially from Tom King. It's also very dark, very fucking dark. But so was the Killing Joke. I thought yeah, it was an interesting yeah, enough yeah, story. You could say that <laughs> not the Riddler you're expecting. If you're expecting any kind of Riddler, it, you're you're not even getting like many riddles at all in this. It's, it's not it's not a lighthearted, fun Riddler like you get most days. Uh, this is a very uh, Christopher Nolan-esque Riddler, if you will. Uh, and the there was a lot of unnecessary uh, word Matt counts. Reeves. There, there was too many pages with dialogue. I think there was a couple of pages with Riddler just telling a story about some woman. Had nothing to do with the overall story. And the panels were just showing Batman and Jim Gordon meeting on a rooftop. And it had nothing to do with anything. And it was very unnecessary. And just padded out the page count and the word count. And I, I got so bored during that moment. So, fuck, Tom King, please, just just chill it. Chill it with the word count. You don't you don't have to hit 70 pages. It's fine. End of it all. Uh, 7.5. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't perfect. Yeah, you know what? You get, you, yeah. in that situation... You go in there not not aware of all of the 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 copycat that's going on. You you get the chance to enjoy it a little more. So cheers to you for that one. Yeah, this just also, had me gritting my teeth the whole way through it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's just embarrassing. It like it it's right? so it's like, it feels Jesus like. Christ. What I what I had originally written down was, but I, I felt it was too mean. But I'm just gonna say it because why not? We're we're uh, we're we're no strangers to speaking the truth here, right? Um, what I had originally written down was, it's like a it's it's like a child that's constantly screaming for attention because it really wants to prove that it's like it's it's something special now. But it's I, I thought that would be a little bit too mean spirited, but it just it feels like that. Nope. It's so. 
It's so pathetic. Spot it's on. like, it's like, oh look, look! I'm trying to tell like the definitive. Like this is gonna be the definitive Riddler story. Like you, you just you feel it. Definitive it's gonna be the Riddler killing story. joke. Yeah, it's gonna be the killing joke, but for Riddler, the the riddling joke, if you will. Um, and right. it just it comes across as embarrassing and and weak. Now we're getting one of these goddamn things for every one of his villains. Aren't, aren't I know. We just oh, eight. Eight. I don't know how I'm gonna do eight that. of them. Yeah. So yeah. we got one. Are we getting one for Joker? Ah, uh, no. I actually you, we, think there's no. You Joker. you can read that one. It's called the Killing Joke. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's yeah. I know that one. So that's yeah. that's what I was getting at. They're even not doing a Joker one. So yeah, correct. Wow. There, yeah. There it is. is Riddler, Every next month we have Two-Face, then there's Penguin, Mr. Freeze, Catwoman, Bane, Clayface, and Ant March. We finished off with Rachel Ghoul from Tom Taylor and Ivan Reese. Man. Different creative teams in every issue. That That's fine, but I just, I don't know, man. I don't have faith for, even, even with fucking Tom Taylor and Ivan Reyes on a book, man. I don't know. I don't have faith on on any of this. <laughs> All the creative teams are great. I just I, I hate the premise of it so much. Like I just I have I'm very confused. I can't even lie to though, myself. What what's with the title One Bad Day? Because it's it's a reference to the Killing Joke. And Joker says the line, you know, I'll bet you had one bad day too. Uh, obviously, being a, a subtle but not so subtle reference to the fact that Bruce had one horrible day that changed his life forever, murdered his parents. Even though Joker doesn't know that, all that stuff, but. They're, they're, again, it's it's not even subtle. Like they know exactly what they're doing. Right. All the advertising is supposed to be related to Killing Joke and how that made you feel when you read it or when you read it, and and uh, how this is ideally supposed to make you feel. Except it didn't make so, me feel yeah. anything. Then I wasted. It's not even dollars. a pseudo sequel to Killing Joke. It's direct funding yeah. sequel to Killing Joke. Since yeah. we are on the subject of the Killing Joke, um, I have actually been reading the novelization of that. Holy crap. It is so good. It's published by Titan Books, which is the, you know, like the paperback, or excuse me, the hardcover company that always does the DC stuff. But um, how fleshed out it is and uh, the way that these uh, these two writers f- flesh out, like just blow up the story of the Killing Joke is is phenomenal. If, if, if you can... Mm-hmm. You can get into a regular book and not just a comic book. It's 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 a really good take on the story, and I really like it. This, however, is just a blatant ripoff. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll be very excited to read the sad backstory of Bane, and also Two Face, and also Penguin, and also the rest of the Gotham villains who you've seen the backstories before, but have you seen them more dramatically? That's not a word. I have. You know what? I've seen them every way, but definitively. Yeah, we we have a definitive mystery story, yeah. and it's Vitas Sub Zero. Yeah. All right. Didn't that, they do? The there's like a there's like a free story. That's like the first chapter of. I'm getting way mm-hmm. off topic, but that's like the first chapter of the. They did the Prince of Nightfall, like the the collected editions or whatever. Um, and and I, I hadn't read that until very recently. Uh, but that was, that was like the first chapter. It's I think it's like Bane, Shadow of the 
something or, or whatever. Um, and it's just the origin of Bane, like from his childhood. So we already know what it is. So what is this going to do differently? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Oh, well, I, I bring up Mr. Freeze because the solicit for that came out today as well. And it is about Mr. Freeze, again, trying to save his beloved Nora. But Robin, and meanwhile, this is Dick Grayson Robin, so this is in the past, tries to take a different approach with Mr. Freeze. Meanwhile, it is also so cold in Gotham right now that Freeze is able to just go outside without his suit and just be in, like, a t-shirt, and he's fine. Mm. But Robin is trying to, like, talk him into some kind of uh, friendship in a way and try to help him, but Batman's trying to warn him against it, and it just feels like it's been done Total bullshit. In order for Freeze to be alive, he has to be in sub-zero temperatures, no matter what. He would not be able to have his hood off, his suit off, and walk around in Gotham City unless everything alive there was dead except for him. Yeah, like Sub if it's that cold outside, there's no way Batman and Robin are outside. Surviving. Yeah, it's just not happening. And I hope to God Dick's got pants on. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see a Mister Freeze story unless it's about what's going on with Nora. Yeah, she's she's not she's not asleep anymore. They let her out, and then they and that was it. They just like they're like run Nora, run! Don't ever come back. Not even to comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just never saw her again. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll actually get some progression on those characters. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, speaking of crazy characters that uh, we could use some progression on. Yeah, I guess oh, yeah. we'll go into the the last one for this week. Uh, Harley Quinn number twenty. Right or on. Yeah, and not. definitely. Definitely, uh, I will mention progression on this character because I've mm. seen a lot of chatter <laughs> recently of people not liking her progression, despite the fact that you know, that's that's what pushes characters forward is story progression and character development, which is exactly what this character has gone through for the past twenty de or two decades. Right. So this is Harley Quinn number twenty, uh, as part three of Task Force Double X. Uh, is written by Stephanie Phillips with art from Georges Duarte and Simone Guanfantino. Sorry. Uh, colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, letters from And World Design and a cover from John Boy Mayers. So we open with Luke telling us about a dream he had about Element X giving him everything he wanted, which is the ultimate scientific breakthrough, but it did lead to the end of everything. Uh, and now back on the moon base, we see Task Force Double X are reeling from this new info as he was telling them the dream over the communication system, and they are instead found by the monster. Uh, they put up a fight against it, but it takes Grundy and fuses him with Lashina in a really weird uh, design. It's really, really gross. Uh, it tries yeah. to take uh, Frost, <laughs> but she showcases her latest ability to absorb life force, which when... When did that happen? Was that in Justice League of America? Like Uber? I don't know. I was kind of like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. 
Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I didn't remember it. It, it but. seems like so familiar, but she's very, very rarely used in books these days. I don't know. Uh, so Luke then tracks the monster's movement uh, to the Justice League teleporters, and it arrives on Earth while Luke tries to escape his base, but is stopped by the military who discovered that this spaceship is from this origin point at his base. And then the monster arrives and captures the soldiers and absorbs them into himself. Uh, and we will have, I think, two more parts to see how this wraps up. So I'll be honest, I did not connect, and I didn't mention this in the synopsis, I really should have, that Element X is the one from DC Metal. Yes. Which yes, kind of makes yes, sense, because that, that was it was called Element X, I think, is the 10th metal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that kind of blew my mind, but also kind of confusing. Like, that was from the Dark Universe, wasn't it? Element X? It allows one to control access to the Dark Universe? Brandon, am I fucking that up, or is that right? Um, From what I remember, it was part of the um do you remember the the forge the forger yes yeah yeah so from from what i remember it was the metal that was used to forge worlds and um forge all things uh both in the in the regular multiverse and the dark multiverse they they kind of said like worlds that were successful would rise up to the multiverse worlds that were crap would fall into the dark multiverse and because they knew they were damned that's why they ended up rising up but um yeah some some kind of thing like that where it had originally come from the forge and then um it's like and this is where i sort of start to get blurry on it because it's a scott snyder thing but i think it's like (laughs) powered by belief or some some kind of cliched thing like that um it's it's been a while since i've read metal number six but they said powered something like that where, truth. yeah, it's power, yeah, by belief and and spirit, truth. and if you believe in yourself, it'll work like an episode of Captain Planet. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think it's, I mean, aside from the the yeah, aside from the um, forger right, stuff, so I don't a, remember seeing it anywhere else. Right, so okay. okay, so it came, so it's specifically from the World Forge. Um, yeah. Which begs the question: Why are they saying it's apocalyptic in nature? Then, well, maybe that's who the knows. Mystery. And yeah. and is uh, Luke Fox the father of it? I am. Well, that's the thing. The very last panel it said "Hello, Father" or something along those lines. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Like, so what the I mean, hell? That, that thing that ended everything in Luke's dream looked an awful lot like this this monster. So, who knows? You know, there's Luke a lot of questions left open, uh, and Luke. it'll be surrounded by Harley just being adorable about everything, uh, and and I think quite funny. So we'll see how. Why it goes. did good good guy Luke's always fuck shit up? Yeah. Would you give this one, Rob? <laughs> uh, Eight point two five out of ten. Not a lot happened in this issue, but it was a fun ride. Still, I think we're in the halfway point, but we'll see where it goes. Yep. Um, obviously, I t- to me this feels like a Suicide Squad story. Obviously, um, it's got the stuff you would expect from it. It's done pretty well, and the humor is on point. 
plus, I'm really curious about that ending, the whole Luke Fox being the father of apocalyptic technology or what, huh? Um, I need to know more. Uh, so yeah. you got me. I'll be there next issue. Eight out of ten. Uh, seven for me, kind of interesting, but, uh, you know, I mean, not, uh, I'm not, I'm not like totally in love with it or anything. So it's, it's solid enough that I'm interested, but, uh, not, uh, breaking down any doors. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll definitely give you that. Um, cool to have you back on the Harley train. Let's hope we don't have to kick it off the review show any again. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I, had some had some time, so I kind of skimmed through nineteen and uh, and actually read twenty, um, and uh, I feel like I'm I'm mostly up to speed, so yeah, it, it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah. Now back to our program. All right, we're gonna kick it off with our main reviews for this week, starting with Catwoman number forty six. So coming to us live from Canada. I'm going to pass it over to Rob, who's going to give us a unscripted summary of Catwoman. So now you're on the spot, so you have to deliver. All right, you hosers. Yeah, we're going to be doing this spotlight here. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. So, you know. Uh-huh. Right there, bud. All right, boys. Let's go. So is Catwoman I would not blame you. I can't do you... that for the whole thing. Yeah, I would not blame you if you kept <laughs> that going for the entire show. Uh-huh. Do not do that. I forgot uh, oh you. You goodness. once asked me to, to. You bet me to do an entire show with that accent. Oh man! One day, one day. Is that? I, I, I actually did I have do, a question. I, you about know what? That. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, that. I forgot. Okay, one day. <laughs> I promise, I will definitely do. If we have maybe a shorter week, I'll definitely do an episode. <laughs> oh. Okay, so <laughs> this is Catwoman number forty-six in my North American accent. Uh, so this is from <laughs> writer Tini Howard with pencils from Sammy Basri, inks from Vicente Cifuentes. Love that name. Uh, colors from Jordi Belair, letters from Lucas Gattoni, despite the fact that you cannot actually read that name in the font. And uh, covers from a cover from Jeff DeCal. Uh, so Catwoman, uh, she is, as I mentioned, doing this on the fly. <laughs> uh, she has come across, uh, what the hell is it, amygdala. Um, he's attacking her straight up uh, and is looking for Valmont, screaming for his help, and he arrives to uh, first take on the two mob bosses that are surrounding her and Amygdala. Uh, He scares them off while she jumps into a little, I think it's a truck, maybe a trailer, uh, to try and coax him into a trap, Uh, but Valmont ends up saving her, or helping her anyway, after she knocks Amygdala out. So they uh, talk about what to do next, and then we cut to the Black Mask's office, subterranean office, uh, where Amygdala is there fresh with his new brain damage, uh, courtesy of Selena's heel. Uh, also having a meeting with those same two mob bosses that Valmont's uh, kind of scared off, <laughs> and saying, look, we're starting a new club, we don't need any ladies here, because we can actually get shit done, we're manly men. Um... Wasn't that a Monty Python sketch? That was uh, Men in Tights. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. It was yeah. an old movie. We yeah, are no, Mon- Monty Python was uh, Lumberjack. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, man. Anyway, 
Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> so uh, they are basically colluding against other members of the aforementioned, uh, I guess you'd call it clan of clans. Did they, I don't know if they had that a That sounds name. like a mobile that's... game. Clash of Clans? I was going to say, <laughs> is, that, is it a Clash of Clans? Of clans? Yeah. Uh. yeah. Uh, so we then cut to Eiko Hasegawa's yacht, where her and Selena are having a little powwow. Uh, talking about a plan going forward about how uh, Selena and her, while they are on good speaking terms, uh, despite their history, they do talk briefly about that history and Aiko's feelings going forward. But Selena then turns around and asks her to betray her uh, for a grand master plan she has to get control of the underworld. Uh, but first, before that can happen, she does need to take some time away from the city in order to just get away for a while. Uh, before she can do that, she needs to do a bit of shopping for uh, the the uh, the little... Uh, what's the guy's name? Tommaso. Yeah, the little the little Tommaso. He's not so little, but he's, Tommaso. he's, he's the young Tommaso. Oh, the last uh, one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, get some groceries for him with Valmont while she is there undercover and Valmont not so undercover but nobody can really see his face in his his uh knight costume if you will so i guess they're technically both undercover uh she asks him to help her get out of the city because he has some global contacts despite the fact that there is some clear flirting going on between them still which i'm not too happy about but here we are uh so then we cut to later that night at capullo's ristorante uh, where the mob clans are having a meeting with Eiko, including Black Mask. I guess Black Mask's mob clan is meeting with Eiko Hasegawa, uh, and very quickly turns to betray her and demand to have some loyalty proven to them. So she calls up Selena's phone and tells her to meet at her yacht that night uh, and says no more. So Selena goes straight to the yacht while all the mob bosses are standing on the docks uh, away from the yacht, watching from afar. And Aiko is on the phone with Selena and basically begins their betrayal plan. The yacht is full of explosives, and while Aiko is essentially stalling for time for Selena to get to safety, uh, one of the other mob bosses grabs the phone and says, no, You're taking too long, I'm going to do it faster. Uh, Selena jumps off the boat as fast as she can the ship blows she gets underwater and they all go their separate ways despite the fact that Selena and Aiko are very upset about the entire ordeal so Selena and Aiko or not Selena and uh, Selena and Valmont uh, zoom off out of the city while Aiko uh, as per their plan going forward will don the Catwoman costume temporarily while Selena is out finding herself in a way once again once again yeah so yeah it's 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 definitely taking some turns but it feels like they're kind of flip-flopping i i was very it felt like it was very vague why she's leaving the city again they're kind of just doing it to push the story along but it, it's not really pushing the story along because they just did that and even even they she even had eco say but you just left the city you're leaving again already and it didn't really make sense to me still why this is happening 
but it looked beautiful. I'm loving the art. Uh, I think the, the colors, the pencils, all of it is really good. And I'm curious to see what the hell's happening because it's a little confusing uh, if next issue is actually going to have Aiko in the Catwoman costume for a spell, maybe a story arc. That might be interesting to see. Um, I'm just very confused. Very confused. But still, I'm enjoying it. 8.5 out of 10. It's still... Uh, I don't know. You're confused <laughs> about what's happening in the book? or Yeah. Like, why is she leaving again? I'm just confused about that. It feels like they're just oh. going in circles now. Like, I'm really enjoying the story still. I think it's a great direction. And the story so far has been very interesting. I just don't understand this part. Why the why why she's taken off again? Yeah, that's the yeah. one thing where I'm like, dude, we better get more than another road trip issue or arc. Yeah. It better, you know, if they're taken off together, fine. I don't mind a story arc with them. Do whatever, but don't make it a dumb one. They they are too. Catwoman is an exceptional character, and Valmont could be a good one. Let's see where it goes, but let's not just have a road trip. Please. Um, other than that, I thought the thing was pretty interesting. Um, Eco has worn the cat suit before, though it wasn't really on Selena's side that time. Um, on the last page, we see that cat outfit silhouette. With the tail, I guess, just to sell it, that it's Catwoman. Um, uh, that's, you know, that's on the same panel when you see her driving away with Valmont. Um, so, will we, you guys think we'll have a temp Catwoman going on in the book rather than following Selena and Valmont? Well, the next panel says uh, thieves who steal together stay together, which definitely sounds like the, the story that uh selena, selena and valmont we're talking about they're gonna go on this big heist and selena just needs to like revisit her roots a little bit as a criminal and just steal something very very valuable all right good yeah good 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 i i, I don't want to not pay attention to the selena thing but i think we will be getting eco in the catwoman suit yeah and I'm cool with that, just to see what's going to happen. Yeah, they might have like a side-by-side thing. They'll have both stories simultaneously. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. But split it down the middle. Don't go back and forth, please. Exactly. Anyway, um, uh, other than what I all just said, what other than everything I just said, uh, this was a seriously great art team. They do. They work so very well together that I hope that they stay together forever. <laughs> uh, this was a pretty good issue. I had I had uh, a good time reading it. Uh, trepidatious about where it's going, but I can't hold it against it until I have something to bitch about. So eight out of ten. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know that I have anything really to add that uh, hasn't already been said. Um... I am still kind of confused as to why Selena is leaving Gotham again. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. It just feels like a very weird decision. Um, and I'm hoping 
whatever comes next is is um you know is worth moving her out of Gotham again cuz if it's another road trip it, it just will feel like ultimately pointless um Ico suiting up as uh, as Catwoman again is is cool. It's it's funny that I, we were just talking about Genevieve Valentine earlier because that was a part of her run where Selena was operating as a mob boss and Ico was filling in as Catwoman, unbeknownst to her father. Um, and I thought that was always an interesting idea. Well, I shouldn't say always. It's not like I always had that, but I, I thought that was an interesting idea. But ultimately, it. They were. I think they were so eager to get Selena back into the suit by the end of that first arc um, that it never. They never really got to live up to the full potential, and then that um, that that run kind of came to a screeching halt um, once they kind of pushed Genevieve Valentine off the book. But um, I'm hoping that they can use that plot thread and, and maybe try something more interesting. So if we are going to have uh, Iko as Catwoman once again, um, we can maybe try and do something more um with that so hopefully there's something there um but yeah i mean i think there's things to look forward to things that are confusing um and uh, hopefully the things that uh we're looking forward to are you know more important or outweigh the stuff that's confusing and the things that are confusing slowly become more understandable uh, as we continue with the story um and the art from sami basri is really good um Definitely think he's just doing a great job on this book. So I gave this a seven and a half out of ten. Right on. Right on. All right. Well, next up we have Dark Crisis Young Justice number three. This is from Megan Fitzmartin doing the writing with art from Laura Braga, colors from Luis Guerrero, and colors from Pat Brasso. Connor, Bart, and Tim fight Lex Luthor, Deathstroke, and Captain Boomerang, respectively, at Mount Justice. Bart is one of the first people to notice that these villains, who never associate elsewhere, have been selected because of their connection to each other with past, or their connection to each other's specific past traumas. Um, Bart suspects this has something to do with the rest of the freaky world that they're in, particularly with this version of Cassie, but Connor and Tim have their doubts. After Connor insults Bart and the two have a fight, Bart storms off, hoping to find answers on his own. Tim also goes his own way, uh, angry with Connor for how he treated Bart. While each of the boys are off contemplating everything, Cassie again tries to offer each of them a life here, one where they will be the inheritors of their respective legacies. Each one declines Cassie's offer, which forces Cassie to transport them back to the Watchtower. She informs them that they will take her offer without refusing, only this time they're going to use force. Um, I don't know. Yeah, boy. I, I, uh, what, what, I don't know. There's nothing else to say. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of this book. I tire of it greatly. Um, because it just, it's like a, it's like a marathon. Uh, I think I've, I've said that for the past two months. Um, but it's basically, it's like a marathon trying to keep up with the, the litany of, weird continuity mistakes, character inconsistencies and other things that just make it just just a mess if you're a if you're a fan of any of these characters, whether you read or didn't read Young Justice or you read the O three Titan series or you know, any just other flat out uh, weird choices. Yeah, I mean and and I'm not I'm not gonna harp on it too much because like I'm I'm tired of this book and I'm I'm tired of, of 
ranting about it and and things that are just not going to change but it, like at this point there it's just it it's just it's too much to handle whether i mean this issue specifically whether it's you know the just frankly bizarre voice that that Fitz Martin seems to have for Connor who at this point is acting like he just stepped out of 1995 and and had nothing which i will give her credit at least i think i think they tried to address it a little bit um and say that Connor had maybe lost some of his memories so maybe he doesn't have everything that he used to have prior to the flashpoint so i can i can excuse that a little bit but um with with Tim and with Bart in particular who I think said something like, all I've ever wanted is for people to notice me, when if you know anything about Impulse, it's that his whole name comes from the fact that he didn't give a fuck what anyone thought. That's why he was Impulse. It's because he was so brash and, and literally could just run through the world without a care. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it just, it, like I said, it's 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 tiring to, to try and keep up with it all, so... I, I have nothing left to say. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to bring up the continuity stuff. If you know where it is, you know where it is. Um, and it, maybe it's just me. So ultimately, who cares? But um, it, it's just kind of exhausting to read. So this one got a 6.5 out of 10 for me. All right. A little less uh, dispassionate, but... Uh... Pretty much just parroting Brandon, man. Uh, giant flop for me. The art is good. The rest is convoluted. It reads weird. Voices are off. Uh, continuity is funky. And it's really just not interesting. Uh, I have not been a fan of uh, Fitzmartin for a while now. Any, I seem to see their name on a whole bunch of stuff. And... I'm starting to think maybe that's a bad idea. Uh, other than that, there's not a lot to say about it. Some people would say that these are small issues. I don't think so. These are some of the biggest issues that they, that you can have for me. Um, and when they're stacked on top of one another, that makes it total crap. Uh, this, this gets a 5 out of 10. Okay. Well, I'm still enjoying it, <laughs> but I, I even I'm starting to see how some of the past continuity is being forgotten, uh, having not really partaken in a lot of the past continuity, such as Tim. Uh, that, that part really stuck out at me, that how he wouldn't necessarily see. I get Bart was seeing things from a Speed Force perspective, but after Bart is starting to, you know, lay down some hard, cold hard facts, you know, Tim, he's a brilliant detective in some ways better detective than Bruce even he should really start to be seeing some pieces himself uh, so mm -hmm. I don't know that that really rubbed me the wrong way but I'm still trying to convince myself that all of it is off because it's a fake world and they're being partially mind controlled but we'll see <laughs> I, I feel like that's a weak sauce argument though mm -hmm. I don't know uh end of the day i'm happy we have some young justice i i i hope i hope we get something more and better in the long run we will see it's been a long time since we've had young justice proper uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know this hey, is one of those just took away the like, damn cartoon don't leave us hanging yeah 
it's it's one of those awkward moments where like if if you support it with your wallet you're showing interest that you want to see more of these characters in this setting but then you're also saying we want more of these characters like this which isn't necessarily the case so what do you do you know i don't know i'll give it a seven it's a tricky situation still enjoying it but it is do you suffer through the shady stories until a different writer picks it up but that's if you hope that it lasts long enough for that to happen yeah i think that's the main point it's like will it last long enough for there to be a creative change or are you just kind of stuck with it yeah boo i hate that i hate that scenario that's a horrible scene. I don't know about you guys, but I, I stuck through all of Williamson's Flash run with that in my mind. Eventually, it's going to get better. And eventually, it did. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think I read all of Williamson's Flash run? <laughs> I, do you think I read every single issue? It's hard to tell. I, I, you weren't doing the podcast at that point, so <laughs> I, I, I want to say no. I, I, I love the Flash. I was reading every single issue because he kept tricking me, and this is why I am so upset with him now because he did. He tricked me over and over and over for years, and it. Uh, Anyway, yeah. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> Williamson yeah. broke my heart. He broke my flash heart, and it's I, I can't forgive him. Yeah, I get that. Well, maybe uh, maybe you should read Batman Superman. That was pretty fun. Batman Superman. It was. Uh, to say the least fine indeed maybe some would even say the world's finest batman superman world's finest number six written by mark wade drawn by travis moore colored by tamra bonvaling aditya bidikar brought letters in a cover wrapped up with by dan mora (sighs) this month the book starts out back in time answering a question for the future We see Dick lost in time a long time ago, just before 1892, in fact, chiseling something into a giant rock before collecting some fruit and walking away. He joined up with a world-famous circus somewhere, the first one to use animals as a trapeze artist. Uh, He's the trapeze artist, not the animals. Just for clarification's sake. Uh, so we see him swinging down and knocking a rifle away from shooting a lion. The lion's been accused of murder and they're going to put it down because it has blood on its claws. They already did that once to a bear. People were mauled. So, you know, they just went with the obvious. Um, Dick stops it before we next see Supergirl explaining to everyone that Dick is lost in time. Batman knows Dick is smart enough to have left a clue. So they check, and they were right. But his clue only says, Hey guys, come find me, Robin. That, that, that's, that's the clue. Um, so Batman and Superman just so happen to, off-panel, 
time travel to exactly the time and place that Dick went to. The rest of it is just a filler issue of Dick, Bruce, and Clark working together to save some circus animals and solve a murder case. This felt like the pop... The, it, it felt like the, the, the kind of... Uh, almost feel good story that we got in the in the silver age of 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 the world's finest the uh, uh helping animals at a at a circus while solving a murder case is, is cheesy and, and 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 uh and nostalgic in all the right ways uh the art as always looked good here but it's not what it has been um and i have to say i wasn't impressed with the ridiculous clue that was left or the off panel no explanation time travel how they knew um where to find him at and having it all resolved with robin asking batman how his ride was um this could have been good ultimately it felt fun but lazy and uh from a team consist well from a writer like mark wade that is not what i would that would i wouldn't expect that whatsoever so i'm 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 gonna be a little rougher on this uh i'm really disappointed because i've loved every issue of this series from the get-go but i gave this a 6.5 out of 10 i don't know i for some of the reasons that you uh, identified it's, it's kind of why I, I actually loved this issue. Um, the, the, now, the there, there's something parallels, I love that. The rest of it, I didn't. Well, I, I think for me, it was just, I think it was such a such a great Dick Grayson-focused issue, but aside from that, it was just like, it was it was just so much fun. Every aspect of it was just really fun that I couldn't help but smiling. Um, and, and even though the, the time travel stuff is sort of unexplained and how they actually find them, I mean, they didn't really explain how Supergirl and Robin could travel in time aside from, like, some brief mention that they were able to... They, they had, like, a, a device where they could fly through the time barrier or something like that. So you can, well, see, you can sort of just I'm assume... Saying, that's all it takes, you know? Yeah, but it's like... For for me at least, I was like, they can figure out a way. Like they're the world's finest, and um, I I I don't know. I I, I kind know, of I had that in my mind. Like Batman, maybe yeah, Batman just the Batman just showing up. Like I was like, oh, of course. Like they they figured out a way. There um, there's something about that that was just so lovably campy that uh, I I couldn't help but uh, but laughing and, and smiling at that. Um, and Robin walking tapping away in... with the bag tied to a stick over his shoulder. Now that made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I know people didn't love it, but one of my favorite aspects of the new Fifty Two run on Nightwing was that it really touched on Dick's circus roots, and I always love when they kind of take the chance to do that because. It feels like everyone kind of forgets that he had a life before he met Bruce, and he was, you know, a, a wonderful circus performer who had a, a great time um, while he was in Haley Circus. And so every time they kind of touch on that, um, it's a great Young Justice episode where they do that. Um, but every time they kind of touch on that aspect of his life, it's always a nice reward because he's he's more than just you know Batman's ward or, or Bruce's son. He was a, a performer, an acrobat by nature. So it's it's nice to see them 
dip into that every now and then. Um, so all of that just uh, just made it a really fun, really delightful issue. Um, and seeing Batman fight off a tiger, I mean, it's just just great stuff there. So um, yeah, this one got an eight point five out of ten for me. Really, uh, really had fun with it. Right on. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like right smack dab in the middle. Like, uh, I thought it was really nice story with some great art, as has been the case with the series so far. And it was really cool to have a, a young Dick Grayson-centric tale. I thought that was really nice to see. It was World's Finest, and maybe Batman, Superman, World's Finest, but the World's Finest has always been the trio, realistically. Uh, so it was it was nice to see that, that Dick has a place at the table. But I was kind of very, like, I tried to, to justify it in my mind. Like, Dick just leaving that that one bit on the slab. Like, yeah, at some point, Bruce would have just figured it out because detective skills and whatnot. But, but it would take a long time, you'd imagine, to not only figure out the year, but then figure out from where he was, where would he go. You know, it's... It's a lot. And how did Dick get there? Like, I get Dick would not know the year he was in. But you could have at least left a note on the stone saying, I'm headed west. You know, at least something. It just, right. it, it was a little... Hey guys, come find me. Yeah. Well, like a little, little bit off. What the fuck you think but... we were going to do? Why did we <laughs> this rock? Robin, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. And then that is where the meme came from. <laughs> Batman slapping Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this, like, despite that fact, though, I love the rest of the issue. I thought it was quite nice. Uh, the quality is definitely not declining so far with the first story arc done, and I'm very, very excited to see where we go from here. Uh, so 8.75 out of 10 for me. Nice, nice. Well, speaking of Dick Grayson, that's a good way to talk about our next book, which is Nightwing number 95, featuring an adult Dick Grayson, not a teen Dick Grayson. Uh, but this is brought to us by Tom Taylor, as usual, with art from Bruno Redondo, some inks uh, additionally from Caio Felipe, colors from Adriana Lucas, and letters from Wes Abbott. Dick saves Melinda from Blockbuster's capture, only to find himself facing off against Blockbuster yet again. They brace themselves for a fight, ready to throw down until Blockbuster gets hit with Audrey's car. Uh, but back at the BPD station, ex-Commissioner McLean reveals that he has access to a set of files that could expose Blockbuster's entire operation, hoping to use this as leverage for immunity. He makes his case to the detectives interrogating him, not realizing that they are actually working for Blockbuster. Naturally, once they know that McLean is willing to sell out Blockbuster, they kill him. Because what else could you do? Uh, Commissioner Sawyer finds him dead and is livid, feeling that she has no control over the city's police and no one she can trust in the department. Belinda Zuko then contacts Maggie, asking her to talk. Uh, she informs her that she has a plan to take down Blockbuster and Maroney's numerous operations, but they need to move tonight and that they have to trust her. Maggie's hesitant, especially since she has no cops on the force that she can trust, but Nightwing and Batwoman show up, uh, then telling her that she's not alone and she has the full support of Nightwing's superhero network. Uh, said network makes quick work of Blockbuster and Maroney's operations, and Blockbuster decides enough is enough. He heads over to the Haven with a bazooka in hand, 
blowing up everything in sight. Uh, after Oracle informs Nightwing of this, he rushes over to the Haven to stop Blockbuster, but Blockbuster has two kids hostage and demands Nightwing drop his Escrima sticks. Nightwing agrees and gets the stuffing beat out of him. Unfortunately, Nightwing also had his mask beat off of him too, revealing his identity as Dick Grayson to Blockbuster. Done, done, done. Um, done. Pretty solid issue. Definitely one hell of a cliffhanger. Um, I and and it's been a while since I've read the the tail end of uh, of Devin Grayson's run on Nightwing, but I believe that was the last time. That Blockbuster knew that Dick Grayson was Nightwing before he was killed. Um, before Blockbuster was killed, not Nightwing. Um, so the last time that, and and again, I I, I gotta. I mean, I don't really want to go back and read that because it's not very good. But if 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 I'm remembering correctly, using that information, he basically did exactly what Kingpin did in Daredevil: Born Again, and just used it to ruin every aspect of uh, Grayson's life. Um, and I can only imagine what, uh, what Blockbuster will do now that he knows Dick Grayson's identity once again. So that should be interesting, seeing how that all plays out. Um, throwing, throwing some... a theory up here. Yeah. Uh, Blockbuster threatens to do something, but Heartless steps in and kills Blockbuster. Potentially, yeah. That, uh, that, that could certainly be something. Um, and then, and then we all have to wonder... When Blockbuster will be resurrected again because he cannot die, no matter how many times they try and kill him. Um, but uh, but yeah, that could that could certainly lead to something. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I don't know how all that is going to play out, but I'm I'm hoping that uh, it's not too immediate. Like if if they're going to do something now that Blockbuster knows Grayson's identity, I hope it's it's something that's good, but not. I don't know, not needlessly like dark and pointless, because honestly, that was the flaw of uh, of Grayson's time on uh, on Nightwing. It just it got too much into the misery porn aspect of ruining Dick Grayson's life. Um, so if you're gonna do something, I would say be a little bit smarter with it. Don't just like blow up his building. Oh wait, I guess they already did that. Um, or you know, <laughs> uh, I guess they did that twice now actually. Um, or you know, get him kicked off the force or all that stuff like. Let's let's try and do something creative um, now that uh, Blockbuster knows his identity again. Um, something but, creative uh, without hurting the dog. Yeah, yeah, without hurting the dog and without turning it into like too much misery and angst. Um, and there is a moment that I'm sure people are going to flag. Oh, man, one if, that uh, I I certainly yeah. saw. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I I was no, thinking, no. what if B showed up and started going psycho? stalker on her who <laughs> b do you who's do you remember b b who's b yeah i would have oh. done my best to block her out of the oh. out of my memory oh oh yeah. oh oh shit oh yeah <laughs> Oh, oh, because yeah. oh, I mean, no. if you remember, they were all like, "Okay, all this shit is done." Sitting there chilling out in the fucking basketball court, yeah, with some yeah. lights on them, and they're all like, <laughs> "Bye, Felicia." <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have no desire to see B again or anyone from that era of Nightwing uh, that we shall not speak of. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I hope, uh, like I said, I hope they do something interesting with it. Um, 
like I said, the moment, one moment that I flagged that I just wanted to mention briefly, because I'm sure people are going to be talking about it. Um, Batwoman and Maggie Sawyer have some beef, uh, I think is the, the only way you can describe it. Um, and Dick's mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Like, I thought you guys were really close. And she basically talks about how she had had plans to marry her. But, and I'm, I'm just give me a moment because I'm going to pull up the exact quote. Um, and it literally, it felt like the most fourth wall breaking thing you've ever seen. Um, yeah, so she says, he's, he's like, what's with you two? I thought you and Sawyer were close. We were. I was supposed to marry her. Why didn't you? A mixture of stubbornness, stupidity, and fear. And then I was, I had to admit, I was shocked that Kate didn't turn towards the reader and raise a middle finger and say, fuck you, DC. Um, because for anyone who remembers the story as to why they didn't get married back in 2014, it was because of... Well, let's just say a mix of anti-marriage sentiment and some very, very buried homophobia. Um, but that that it just kind of threw me off for a minute because, like, if you're if you're aware of that weird. story, yeah, it's yeah, probably not buried um, at all, really, um, and not so buried, so much so that it caused J. H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman to literally leave the book and swear off DC for a while, um, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it felt, I don't know, it just, it, it threw me off at first. I was like, wait a minute, is he, are you, because when they first, like, s- introduce Maggie and Batwoman when they're on the roof and they kind of have some tension, I'm like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't possibly, because I know Tom Taylor likes his fan service moments, and I know he also likes the tongue-in-cheek references to publishing history, and I already had the joke about fridging, so I, I, I was like, he wouldn't, you wouldn't do something like that, but he did, and I shouldn't have been surprised. Um, not a bad thing. It just, it was, it was almost like jarring. It's like when you, when you see someone make a, a not so subtle reference like that, it almost throws you out of the book for a minute. Um, but aside from that, solid installment in the uh, Battle for Bloodhaven story arc. Uh, interested to see where things go. Hope they don't drop the ball. Um, and whatever Dan Turpin used to grow his hair back, I hope that they can invent that in the real world and sell it to all men who want to grow their hair back because I'm sure that would make quite a bit of money. Yes, please. Um, Please. I wholeheartedly endorse that. Please. (laughs) Dan Turpin, who, to my knowledge... And I'm nervous. Yeah, Dan Turpin, (laughs) who, to my knowledge, had been balding as a final crisis... Is with a with a full head of hair, looking exactly like the version from uh, Superman the Animated Series, who was apparently inspired by Jack Kirby. Um, but uh, whatever he used to grow his hair back, I, I hope that that's something that exists because I'm sure it would make millions, if not billions, of dollars for all the people trying to to grow their hair back. But anyway, uh, fun installment. Looking forward yeah, to seeing what's coming next. In hair plugs. Yeah, exactly. Um, eight point seven five for me. Yeah, uh, I think right that it is it. hilarious that this is Nightwing number ninety five, because that's what I gave it a nine point five. Uh, this was an action packed kiss at kick ass comic book. I loved it. I loved the art. I loved the new inks in it. This was fantastic. And then that ending where uh to use brandon's words blockbuster beating dick's mask off um uh it was 
it, it was it that that's just awesome because now what the hell happens i it the, the all of this is going on all these larger stories are going on while we've got heartless just hanging out in the background and the last time we saw him we found out even more about his ass and there's all this technology that he's got he's got usb ports all jacked into him and shit so I mean, Blockbuster to me is just a distraction. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to get past this so we can get to the real shit. But uh, awesome story, awesome art, as always. Total nine point five out of ten. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up there too. I'm not quite. I might just give it a nine. I was at eight point seven five, and I'll, I'll explain my reasoning. But I'll. I think I think a nine is a little warranted because it is a, a very very good story. Um, I don't know. The, just the the final page felt a little off to me. I thought it that's a strong reveal. That's an interesting twist. But if I get Blockbuster strong and all that, and he basically just like pounded straight into Nightwing's chest. But we've seen those masks go through worse. And they've still stayed on. <laughs> how how the hell did like one hit from Blockbuster make it fly off so easily? I thought they had some kind of like glue or something on it or some some shit. I don't know. It was probably expired. He's got a lot of shit going on. Maybe yeah, fair enough. Maybe well, he wasn't think, keeping up a on the dates in his medicine cabinet. Stuff. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That 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 was that was just a little nit, a little bit of a nitpick for me though. Uh, but lots of cool moments. I was kind of confused why, at first, why Batwoman was up there with, with Nightwing, of all people in the Bat family. Um, I'm sure they've got along, but they never really seemed the closest to team up there until Maggie showed up. Was, okay, so that, and that's exactly, as Brandon said, that's exactly it. It was a fan service moment. That's all it was. Uh, I'm okay with for, it. I liked it. For, <laughs> so Dick as a character would have made more sense if, like, Tim was there or Batgirl. For example, but mm-hmm. Batwoman too. That's all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it just okay. it felt like it felt like an excuse to say something that he probably had wanted to say about, you know, DC's policy of not having Maggie and Kate get married like eight years oh, yeah. ago, and now and now he has the chance to say it. Um, which Fair. again, there's no problem there. It's just it's just kind of weird. Like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. It's kind of just shoved in there. It was it was a very yeah. interesting moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Dick just got, I don't know what this is, but yeah, yeah, that was that was good. Um, okay, still eight point seven five because there was no bite wing this issue, so that's that's my <laughs> final score. Yeah. Oh, and brilliant art throughout. I missed that. I had that combined with another note. I forgot. I missed that bit. Yeah. Did you guys think that that was a a, a longer read than the? Did it feel like a longer read than the than the uh, Nightwing books typically have as of late? Yeah, slightly. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely more dense. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I that the too. more I recent like, I issues have been a lot more like action-packed a lot more focused on the art rather than dialogue and a lot of like long fight scenes as opposed to conversations 
thought it took a little bit long to get through it because normally you get through it pretty quick. Yep. Well, speaking of things that are quick, Ooh. kill me. Uh, the Flash, seven eighty five. I'm gonna hand that over to Josh, and you will uh, give us our last summary of the night. Oh wow! Is it already the last one? All right, Flash, yeah. number seven eighty five. Uh, which is funny because I gave it a seventy eight point five. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, written by Jeremy Adams with a mon- with art from Amanke Nwalpin and Jeremy Cox. Letters from Rob Lee and Torin Clark on the cover. Uh, this is the search for Barry Allen part three. It starts with Linda basically telling Mr. Terrific to shove it and let her go after her kids. And she does that by hitting below the belt and asking if he'd save his kid if his kid was still alive. Ouch. I mean, I get it, Linda, but that was like flat out kicking him right in the jimmies. Not cool, man. Anyway, um, next we go to Night Flash verse where Jay and Irie meet another kid that'll show them where to find Night Flash. And then we get shown the predictable origin story of Night Flash. Oh, I didn't do it right. Excuse me. Night Flash. There we go. <laughs> Next is Welcome to Thunder Flash verse, where uh, it's home of Barry with a beard, who is running away from the Mad Maxians to get a pearl, a really big pearl, the last of the universe's magic to an unspecified place. Max and Jesse say, run, Barry, run, and uh, we'll hold them off and flirt with each other. Uh, next is Dot Matrix verse, a.k.a. Wallace's cool new suit verse, which is who is told that his dad is still alive. Meanwhile, Barry is still tripping and thinks Wally is reverse Flash and that he's there to kill his family. That's why he is just pummeling away at him. Until Linda shows up and cold cocks Barry into next week and into having his memory restored. He says he's going to save the Justice League, but that Wally is the Flash now and his job is to go save the world. Back to Night Flash verse. We find (laughs) out that he's not the bad guy, but that the little kid called Knives is there to kill Barry like he killed Barry's mom so long ago. And he's not a kid. He's a Moroni crime boss that ages backwards. See? We find out that after we find that out after Jay Garrick shows up and gives Night Flash a, a clobbering. At Thunder Flash, Max and Jesse hold them off long enough for Barry to get the pearl into some weird empty white room. Uh where he smashes the pearl on the floor, the room explodes, and a beam of light shoots up, the bad guys are defeated, and everybody is happy. I'm not really sure what to make out of all of that, but it seems like a happy ending. Uh, Wallace's cool suit verse, and he sees his dad, knows that everything is wrong, sees everybody else with blacked out eyes, knows that that's wrong, then Barry Wallace show up and save him too. They all go to Terrific Tech, and Wally explains that they rescued Barry, but he's saving the others, yada, yada, yada. And they, 
the Flash family, are going to save the world. So we've got Wally, Wallace, Jesse Quick, Jay Garrick, Jay and Irie, Max Mercury, Linda, and Mr. Terrific. Um, this had two ending captions. One was to follow Barry into Dark Crisis number four, and the other... The other says, next in Flash, the Flash family, which I definitely appreciate. If you want to keep this title going, etc., fill it up with more story to cover the lack of, say, Barry. Um, it, it also says that, it also says to follow that issue as they join the fight against Pariah's for, forces on Earth Zero. So does that mean that we're going to be seeing the Flash family versus Slade's army? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brandon, what do you think? Maybe, yeah. It could be something like that. We'll, uh, we'll just have to keep reading Dark Crisis. Just have to keep reading Dark Crisis. Uh, well, okay, so maybe there's a reason <laughs> for me to do that. Uh, other than that, all I've got to say is that this was okay for what it was. Overall, the only real thing I liked about it was it bringing everyone together and having a book titled called uh, The Flash Family. I've been asking that for all the heroes, and it's nice to see it happen, at least on one. It's great to look at. It brought the family together, but really, it was just a few filler issues. It was It was okay. Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10. A decent wrap-up. Um, still super fun to see all members of the, the Flash family together. And it's I guess it's good that, that uh, Barry is free um, and, and will be you know working to free the Justice League. So I hope that goes well. Max being all flirty was a little weird. I don't know where that came from. Um, especially... Jess. Yeah, and and Jess, who is a married woman, if if I I'll bet you if Rick knew about that, he would be very upset. Rick Tyler, um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, it was just kind of a, a fun ending, and uh, I hope we get to see more Flash family team ups in the future. Which, uh, based on that uh, description, looks like we'll definitely be getting that. So uh, this one you got an what? eight out of I'm ten not, for me. I'm not a I'm not a fan of Ricks. I'm not. A, I don't think I'm a fan of Ricks at all. You don't like really. What's wrong with that version of Our Man? I, I, I mean, I, he's a little brash, well, I, mean, I admit, but... I mean, personally, like, in, in the real world, I can't think of a single Rick I get down with, man. Um, oh, so, well, you know what, I Jesse mean, Quick? Like you do your thing. thing. There's other versions of Our Man. Did you say, like, it's, you don't get down with people named Rick? Yeah, and I think that applies oh. to comics, too, because fuck that run oh. on Nightwing. Well, it, it might help. His name is Rex, didn't it? No, Rex is his father. He is the son, yeah. Rick Tyler. Yeah. Rex is. The oh, shit. okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, if I'm if Rick finds out about this flirtatious behavior, he's going to be very jealous and very angry, and probably do something very stupid. Uh, but I, maybe we'll see that in the upcoming Justice Society of America book. Who knows? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Sorry. What was it you guys were saying about Jesse Quick that you didn't like? 
that rip of each other. Oh, nothing. Just that her and Max. Oh no, I I was yeah, I was just saying it was kind of weird that that Max was being all flirty. Um, he's like a million years old. He should know better. Um, and and (laughs) Jesse is a married woman, so come on, don't don't do uh don't do our man like that. Um. But no, I was just saying. Other than that, it was uh, it was really fun, and uh, right. I hope we get to see more of the Flash family soon, which it looks like we will. All right, yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I was excited to see the Flash family all back together again, especially with Barry uh, and Linda showcasing her speed powers somewhat. I've been let down before. No, like she didn't get a chance to actually tell Wally before he raced off, did she? I don't think so. So, so to his perspective, she just showed up out of a portal, punched Barry, and now all of a sudden can run really fast. And he hasn't taken a moment to just like wait, Linda. The fuck's going on? And yeah, here's five hundred dollars. You're gonna need to buy a lot of shoes and cheeseburgers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 gonna be a thing. Uh, I. I didn't think about that until just now that Wally didn't have any real reaction besides the fact that Linda just punched Barry in the face. Not like, wait, honey, why are you here? How are you here? Why are you running so fast? Nothing, nothing along those lines. So I I think that would be the first thought in my mind is wait, wait, what's going on? Um, Wally at this point, he's (laughs) like, okay, this is happening. Yeah, fair enough. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Well, I, I don't care if she turns purple. Will somebody just please thirty minutes? Let me let me take a nap. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not mistaken, um, he tried to take a nap like four issues ago, and it still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. yeah, I think that was leading into the whole uh, adventure with Justice League Dark too. I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, maybe poor Wally. He never then. gets a break. So poor Wally. I, I really enjoyed these these alternate versions of Barry. Though I still think Night Flash is the worst possible name to give this character. Night While Flash. it is very telling, it is still you. You don't want to name your hero Night Flash and have him chasing kids in a dark city. <laughs> That's oh, just God. not a good idea. It should be Speed Demon. That that would be better, but wasn't that the name of the other Barry? Speed Demon? The one from Death Metal? No, the one oh, in that uh, was Red Death. That was Red no Death. with the with the cars, like the Mad Max. Or was he just the Flash in that? Or was he just Barry in that? I don't think the they ever said his name. I think they just called him Barry. Oh, fair enough. Um Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I I hope we haven't seen the last of these characters. Like the the Mad Max world, I think that story's done. Barry with a beard. Barry, yeah, Barry with a beard. Uh, Night Flash. I hate that name. <laughs> I, I prefer I prefer say even it, Clown say, Hunter say, over Night. Say Flash. it with the whisper, and it's it, you'll 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 like it more. <laughs> Either way. I hope we haven't seen the last of this character because uh, at the very least it looks like we haven't seen the last of Knives. Um, so that that's definitely some uh, foreshadowing to come down the line. But I'm also surprised nobody realized a device was missing. Like Jay and Irie left with a device. They came back without one. You'd think even like 
Holt would realize, like Mr. Terrific would think, wait, guys, where's the device? There's a lot of stuff that Peter's leaving for next issue. At least I'm hoping. <laughs> so that's 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 me already judging the next issue before it's even out. Uh, if it doesn't have these two things happening, uh, it's getting a lower score. So <laughs> this issue, though, I, I gave a nine point two five. Thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I was happy Barry's back. I like Wally's yeah. Flash. Wally's still the Flash, as Barry said, and better stay that way. But I just love I love the Flash family as a whole. I think, it's a I think he family. is. I've been wondering about that. I don't know if you guys have uh, as well, but What's by that? by all accounts from the solicitations, like Wally is just the Flash now. Um, like Barry's yeah. back, yeah. and he will be after Dark Crisis, but. There, there's no I mean, sign of like uh, Barry is taking over the title again. Like I think, I think legitimately, and and the more I think about this, the more it makes me smile. But I think legitimately, people are just like, yeah, Wally's a Flash, whatever, and and Barry will be on the Justice League or something like that, and literally no one would would have a problem. Like they're just like, oh, okay, that's the status quo. All right, like it's we're coming up on almost two years now, and there has been no sign or, or any indication of Wally, you know, being taken from the title. Yeah. What um what ever since the discovery of what was that Earth Omega, where Barry said I'm I'm leaving the you know yeah. the job's yours now I mean I yeah it's been consistent and I mean I, I hope that it stays yeah no me too I mean he still agreed to join Justice League Incarnate so once this is all done I imagine he would still go to join that team yeah. That's a hell of a pitch. Barry Allen, Flash of the Multiverse. Yeah. That could be your title right there. Barry Allen, Flash of the Multiverse. There you go. We have him, uh, Dr. Multiverse, and President Superman. Just palling around the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Multiverse pals. I dig it. How does that work with Hal? Al and his multiverse pals. Yeah, we need to write that pitch. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Definitely. All right, send me a draft by tomorrow. Uh, All right. Well, uh, yeah, if we're we're all done talking about hypothetical books, let's get into our top uh, three books for this week, and I'm going to pass it over to Rob to kick us off. Okay, so um, I'm kind of in my mind uh, <laughs> reneging on some of my choices, but I'll stick with what I've written down. Uh, yeah, so at number three, I had Void Song. thought it was a very nice ending, and as I mentioned earlier, I hope to see more. Uh, number two, I had World's Finest, a nice little side tale, which ended off a little cliffhanger story arc, and we're going to get into more later on. Well, hopefully this keeps up the uh, quality. And number one, I had The Flash. Highest score for me. Flash family's back. I love it. And that is also my favorite moment. The Flash family posing successfully together with big smiles. I thought that was really cool. I, lo- I, just, I love The Flash family. They, they're, they're the and best the family. The Flash family in loves you. Oh, good. It makes me feel better. All right, how about you, Josh? Uh, all right. Well, my top three. I had to step outside 
of the uh, review copies and goes or not just review copies the review titles and um and uh, dip into the honorable mentions to fill mine out uh, number three went to duo number four this series i i'm in love with it i uh, i look forward to every next issue uh number two excellent wrap-up uh, aquaman the flash void song that shit was awesome Definitely recommend you go check that out. And number one with a 9.5 was Nightwing number 95. What a book. Uh, and, and with something that's that's a little di- different from how I do things, I had to... Um, th- I had a couple favorite moments. Uh, that opening page of Catwoman looking so classic, Batman and Catwoman. Man, that was pretty. That was so pretty. Um, in Void Song, after Arthur saves Barry from goo, emu- goo immersion th- therapy, Arthur says to Barry, your wife loves you for who you are, husband and hero. If you think otherwise, you're as dumb as a seahorse. Flash says, I assume they're very dumb. And Arthur says back, just absolute idiots. I laugh out fucking loud like my kid looked over at me because I laugh so loud. And, um, and then uh, there, were, there were just throughout Void Song after the victory, um, the, the rest of Void Song had all these little tiny bits of humor and... Uh, that that was that was just a great book all the way around. So those those two parts were gonna be my favorite moments. What about you, Brandon? Uh, at number three, um, I guess I had to to think about it for a little bit. Um, but uh, at number three, I had the Flash. Just fun seeing the Flash family team up. And again, I, I really hope we uh, get some more of that soon. Though again, um, I, I think. Max better keep his mouth shut or he's going to get a, a face full of fists from uh, Mr. Hourman. Um, at number shut two, mouth, Max. I had, yeah, um, I posted a very stupid impact meme uh, in our, our Discord. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, I, I was doing that while you were giving your top three because it was on my mind. Um, <laughs> at number two, <laughs> yeah. I just saw where Max yeah. Mercury flirts with your wife. Because <laughs> it, it's it's such an aggressive looking Alex Ross piece. I was like, I it came to my mind almost immediately. I was like, oh shit, I gotta I gotta do it, even if it's low hanging fruit. Um, but at number two, I had that's uh, just the easiest to pick. It still tastes good. Yeah, yeah. Um, at number two, I had uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number six. <laughs> strange silver age logic aside i did have a lot of fun with it and i um i i hope that this series uh continues to just get better um but at number one again no surprise to anyone i'm sure nightwing number 95 looking forward to seeing what happens next uh given some of the major reveals uh in this in this issue so i'm hoping that uh, we get some good story out of that um my favorite moment is a small panel, but one that uh, made me definitely made me laugh more than I probably should have. And it's just it's that image in uh, Batman and Superman World's Finest where uh, Batman is fighting the tiger and his like his wrist is in the tiger's mouth and Dick is like watching from the corner and he looks like he has no idea what to do. 
And I, I feel like if you just remove the text from that and you send it to someone with no context, it would just be absolutely hilarious. Because it's just it's just Batman like fighting off a tiger for no reason. Um, nah. So I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah. Kidding, kidding. <clears throat> well, he's got something with cats, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. They're always trying to bite him. M and Spider Man. What the. All right, well, we've had our fun, but now it's time to go to something a little less pleasant, and we are going to transition to... The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. So, So, gentlemen, which title made your stink list this week? Um, I I had scores that were lower than this book, but for me, the amount of marketing, the amount of hype, and the amount of sheer the the sheer audacity and laziness and theft that happened in this book, uh, just uh, it's a guaranteed winner for my stink list. The Batman, one bad day, Riddler, blue pants, red socks, whatever. <laughs> Number one, fuck off! It was such I drivel. Could not agree more. I could not agree more. Um, even though I ranked Young Justice number three lower than this, or scored it lower than this, and, and it is an exhausting book that I, I tire of reading, I think just ultimately the more disappointing, and, and I've said it too many times at this point, but it's just a word that fits. Pathetic. Uh, Batman, One Bad Day. Um, yeah, it's just like... It's, it's a story you've already read trying to ape off of the success and popularity of a story that is much better and certainly um, much more uh, thoughtful um, than this, even though this is certainly trying to come across as thoughtful, uh, but it just comes across as cliched. But ultimately, it's just the bigger, pathetic, disappointment, embarrassing mess, garbage, trash, birdcage liner, whatever you want to call it. You know what? Metaphorically speaking, this is like carrying around a giant ass tote in Walmart. The, the tote saying, "I'm not shoplifting," and you're just sitting there shoving <laughs> shit. That this, yeah. I don't know what they're trying to pull, but this is just blatant theft, man. No, 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 no. But it's not Joker; it's Riddler, so it's That's, not the same. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Let then you know what. Um, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm actually gonna write a a a, a story about um, Ratman and Night uh, Night thing, and, and um, you know, since it's just a little just a little different, I'll I'll be perfectly okay, right, DC? I mean that, that oh, yeah. that's what you're telling no me, right, DC? There. Yeah, yeah, right. Rat Ratman and Night thing. It's, well, it's like it's like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a, a Batman story, and it's called the Court of Rats. It's not the Court of Owls, I swear. It's the Court of Rats. It's different. It's different. Right. It's totally different. But it's like the same story. But it's not though, because rats are not the same thing as owls. So that makes it different. Anyway. No, it doesn't. It's pathetic. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, well, it is. I, I cannot corroborate your uh, choices. Uh, for me, I put Young Justice, Dark Crisis, Young Justice number three. It just beat out into last place by a quarter of a point on the scoreboard for me. So, 
yeah, it's on the stink list this week for all the reasons we described before. I'm still enjoying it, but it just scored the lowest, and you know, I don't remember enough about Killing Joke to make the comparison. So I, I kind of enjoyed one bad day a week better. What's the What's the oh, next yeah. crap one they're doing? Is it uh, Two Face? Yes. Do you know? Okay. I don't know, but as far as the Riddler right. goes, I mean, uh, I not only is it. Not only is it Two Face, but Two Face written by Mariko Samaki. Um, that's not the worst thing, but no, no that's uh, not. I, I, that that I, I, yeah, might I be just... good. She had a pretty good um, Gilded Dent story in the Batman Black and White anthology that they did recently. Like, I, I was yeah. I was actually like, wow, this was really good, like better than I expected it to be. So. If it's anything like that, then then hey, maybe it won't be half bad. But again, it's it's not even the creative teams; it's just the premise. The premise is it makes me want to twist my neck all the way around. That was yep. colorful, but it's fitting because one more day is also very dark. So you know, I guess you could say like I'm having total Beetlejuice face reaction. Yeah, I, I guess you could say I'm having a bad day. I'm having one. It made bad me day. gave me a bad day. My, my one bad day was reading this book. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I made it sure turned that me into the day, Joker. I read it, it at the very end of my comic uh, books. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. no, my my one my my villain origin story was I read this book and it it made me so <laughs> upset and frustrated that I became a Batman villain called the Librarian. And I and I no, just go around and I from way back. Yeah. You'd be the answer. I'll be the answer. Yeah, I'll be, I'll <laughs> be the answer. It's in in, reta- to, in retaliation to the Riddler. You'd be the fucking answer. I, I'll, I'll be the answer. answer if you'll be the question, but a different question, not that question. Okay, I'll be. A different we'll, we'll create a new question, and it'll we'll be, be a, a, look, a duo uh, of uh, villains uh, called the question and the answer, and we'll but get I Batman. Speaking onomatopoeias. Yeah. Oh, like onomatopoeia. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm no, called not Quest. Like Different right. from yeah. yeah, right. But uh, but exactly, I but exactly. I'm the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. <laughs> so it's but not, not like the question. Yeah, no. <laughs> the question certainly wouldn't speak in onomatopoeias. No, and I can, can tell you, you if... that onomatopoeia certainly wouldn't yeah. be doing detective work. Yeah, exactly. can you imagine if that was someone's origin story? Like in a, in a comic book, they read a comic and it radicalized them, and they just became a villain. It, it sounds silly enough. That, that sounds like like something in Doom Patrol, and and I, I feel like oh my that would god, make for dude, a hell of it just story. it sounds it sounds like what? it could be based off of current events. Yeah, was that not technically <laughs> Superboy Prime's origin? Oh, that's right. I, I, there was something scratching at the back of my head. Although I guess it technically wasn't comic books. It was more like the fact... It, it was more weird meta-commentary, but it was more like the fact that the post-crisis universe had gotten so dark that it radicalized him. Um, which, again, I was surprised while reading Infinite Crisis that Superboy Prime didn't turn around and present his middle finger and say, fuck you, DC, um, as well. But... And then that might have been a little bit too on the nose, you know. Fuck you, you're cool. Fuck you. Sorry. (laughs) Who was he saying you're cool to? (laughs) I I, I don't know, but (laughs) Jim Lee. Maybe. Here you go. 
<laughs> Surely somebody in there is all right. All right, well, is there uh, anything else we have left to add? Uh, yeah, apparently Neil deGrasse Tyson tried to uh, make the, the bat signal defunct by disproving its efficacy, and then Twitter just ran What does that mean? He tried to show possible. how the... He, yeah. 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 It only works on cloudy nights, not during the day, to which everybody pointed out. That's because he doesn't come out during the day. Yeah, that's sort of the point. Right. Yeah. Gotham is like perpetually cloudy, like London. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that too. I was like, "Isn't it? Isn't the seasonal weather just like entirely clouds?" Yeah. Every don't you usually day, see it illuminated in clouds? Season. Yes. I don't. I Superman don't just like blows the clouds from the Metropolis sky. over to Gotham, yeah. so Batman has a, a way to oh, go out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, if we're if we're done chatting about the the efficacy of the bat symbol, I think uh, I think we'll move on to uh, whether or not we have any titles to dump. Doesn't sound like we have anything. The pathetic, embarrassing bad one bad day books <laughs> are monthly, so I mean it's not really like it's that much of a commitment, and or I think it's bi monthly or something like that. I don't know, but um, I mean, and we can't automatically assume that each of them are going to be as horrible. And blatant a rip off, and just a giant waste of my time and money, um, and and attention. We can't we can't yeah. tell that. Although I certainly think they will be, right but now. yes, you're right. We yeah. can't we can't but, automatically yeah, rip them be, off. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's yeah, let's try and, and give them the benefit of the doubt. We should yeah. we should um, try and be better role models. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, if we have nothing to add there, then we will wrap it up for the night. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we hope you had a good time. We certainly did. Uh, make sure to stop by next week as we will be covering all the DC titles as we normally do. Uh, but with that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Mariko Tamaki writing Two-Face in a Black Label book. It's not a terrible idea. It's just, it's, it's, again, it's the premise that's at fault. Maybe you could tell a good yeah. Two-Face story, just don't try and tell a Two-Face story that's exactly like The Killing Joke. Yeah, yeah. and if, if, if that's all that these are going to be, are just going to be, what if The Killing Joke was Catwoman? Yeah. Then, then, Jesus Christ. Right. Well, that's what, what breaks my heart because like you look at these creative teams and it's they're amazing i mean well except for one which i know is probably <laughs> if you haven't already seen it gonna make you have an aneurysm um is it bendis and Roswell? yeah you you no. no it's not rob knows what i'm talking about um, yeah. but most of the other the ones bane. are really good it's bane yeah yeah do you want to know it josh yeah for bane it's written by joshua williamson and drawn by howard porter Oh God! Which I mean, I don't think it'll be bad because Deathstroke Inc. was pretty Porter, fun. But um, Howard Porter is like hit or miss, mostly miss. But I mean, I can I don't hate it. It's I I'm not a fan, but I it's not like it's not super bad. I saw the it's cover. It's not like I mean, when Otto Schmidt is bad. Um, 
like it looks like a pretty good bane, but yeah, no. That's why it breaks my heart. Yeah. It's just like they have these amazing creative teams. They got G. Willow Wilson and Jamie McKelvey. Oh wow. Fucking what to do a Catwoman story. And if it's just yeah. gonna be a killing oh. joke ripoff, that is such a waste. Yeah. That sounds so good. Yeah. Like together for a Catwoman story. Yes. Yeah. That cover looks amazing. Jesus I what what also will kind of break your heart, Josh. Uh so they have a team of John Ridley and Giuseppe Camicoli. Uh-huh. And they're doing penguin. They're doing penguin. Yeah. Your, your Jesus favorite Christ. Batman villain. <laughs> I I hope it's I I hope it's like done like gritty cop drama. If John if 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 that's a part of it will team, be that's... the other part of it will be the sad origin story of Penguin that you've already seen but now you're seeing it again but more dramatic. Don't need a fucking Penguin origin goddamn story. Yes, you do. No, Shut I up. don't. You need to see <laughs> no, how I sad don't. their lives Shut are. Up. So you can the understand that they have to... one bad day that turned them into a villain See, or whatever or it shit. is. I don't even yeah. Yeah. They don't get a voice. If 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 they don't think that he should at least have one hand that's mostly flipper, then they shouldn't get a voice. Nobody draws them like that. Oh, also, no. doesn't this kind of go short, against the like point? Danny like DeVito. what what exactly into my mounds of money? Yeah. That's... Wait, what what exactly was Riddler's one bad day? Killing Joke, like the line, oh, I had one bad day, it made sense because he had a shitty day where he was a part of a heist that went south and then fell into a vat of acid and his wife was killed earlier that day. And I'm not counting the bullshit Jeff Johns retcon where he was revealed to be a wife beater because who gives a shit? That was a pathetic attempt to justify it. But that that actually was one bad day. Like he was just a guy who his entire life fell apart and then suddenly he became the Joker. What exactly was Riddler's bad day in this case? He failed the test a couple times? That wasn't one bad day. Or, no, he didn't it fail it. He got him. one question wrong. But no, but I'm like, what him. was what was the one what was the one specific bad day that turned him into the Riddler? Was it when he killed but, the professor? Oh, maybe. Because that would have been the ultimate thing that drew, yeah. drew that turned they, him like, into the Riddler. Like, they don't even, they, it's the name of the book and they don't even do that right. Yeah. What exactly it's, is it's the when one he bad found day? Out he got the, it's when he found out that he got the question wrong. That's that's what broke him. So is this maybe like is Two Face going to be mean, like just, a young Harvey like, Dent where he's just from a, psych- like a split psychology degree thing? Yeah, I would so, I would sorry, assume yeah Harvey's. Oh no, Rob, go ahead. I, I think I know what you're getting at. No, I was done. I, I said I, I said it. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I would assume his one bad day is, you know, when he got the acid thrown in his face and lost everything. Um, but, yeah. I mean, there's that, but we've seen that, like, so many times. So many times. And if you're going no, we don't. That's deeper, so dumb. I don't know. I think so this, whole thing's a, this whole thing is a bad idea. <laughs> If that's the whole case, is it's just each villain having a bad day that make gives them their raison d'être, or just 